Welcome to Lack of Focus, an X-Wing Miniatures Game podcast, brought to you by Dice 8 Productions. Hello everyone and welcome once again to another episode of Lack of Focus, episode 65, Alderaan's... I am your host, Ed Horn, and alongside me tonight, one Mr. Sean Dorsey. Sean, how's it going, my friend? Okay, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. And, of course, our producer extraordinaire, one Mr. Chris Sheriff. Chris, how's it going, my friend? Good, thanks, Ed. All right, so we have a very large elephant in the room that we need to discuss this today. Um, of course, we've got some information coming out of FFG and a little bit of shakeups going on over there. Uh, we'll dig down into the details, uh, kind of give our thoughts and uh, reactions to this change. Uh, of course, we're going to do our flight deck, too, what we've been doing in gaming. And then uh, the, the main topic is mostly going to be where does X-Wing go from here? Um, but let's get into some fun stuff first. Like, we'll, we'll talk about what everyone's been doing. Sean, what have you been doing lately, my Um, I played this game the other night called D&D and had a really good time. Rub it in. Yeah, it's Rub really it smooth and, like, no holdups or anything. We just, like... <laughs> Got in, everything went fine. Okay, so full disclosure, the guys are going to continue to poke fun at me because I had uh, gone into work on Monday and my boss is like, hey, we need a training video. And as I put myself out there once to do a training video for work, because I have all the equipment here for podcasts and the YouTube channel, I've got all the video editing software here, um, it just became, hey, you know how to do this. So I ended up having to do that and that took me several hours to do and it spilled over into D&D and I missed D&D and I gratefully regretting it uh i'm sorry greatly regretting not gratefully greatly regretting it and everyone's just been poking fun at me for the wake for missing out on D, and i'm sorry sounds like i missed a good time well we stole a I car so. we, we stole a car so you can't if you can steal a car in D, I mean it's there's nothing better well, and depending on where Chris is with his editing schedule, I might not even see what happened until I, and I'll have to get caught up um, when I get there. 15 came out today, in fact, so um, you'll be five weeks behind. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not going to be able to even watch to find out. I'll have to watch it later to find out what happened. Yeah, I've been hearing some grandiose stories, though. There's so much stuff that went on, so I am curious as to how much truth I'm getting told or how much people are just rubbing me the wrong way like ah let's get him <laughs> well and the crazy thing is chad's the only one who can drive it what? oh i can't wait i can't wait so now i gotta wait till monday to find out what happened yeah uh, i went slightly off book just to give chad a job it's fine oh good that's, <laughs> that's good for him so i could tell because greg was looking at me funny so i could tell he knew that wasn't what he was expecting to hear but it was fine well, I guess I'll get to catch up next week on Monday because I'm not going to miss this one because I now need to know what the, what I missed. Just don't play with the bottles. Don't play with the bottles. Got it. There's, uh, was it 36 nice wine bottles hanging on the wall? Beautiful wine bottles. If one green bottle should accidentally fall, there'd be no green bottles hanging on the wall. Or a car. Or a car. Or party members. Or party members. It's a TPK. It's a TPK. I sent Greg a message because uh, I remembered his story about what happened. He ran Curse of Strad the other way around. So they came in from the east. So his party did what you guys did really early. And I remembered his story and I was like, I was looking through the module planning the session. I was like, God, I forgot how much just like, I oh, get fucked if you touch that, you're dead. There is in this part. Like, <laughs> uh, no. No messing around. Can you can you guys survive 12d10 damage? No? Oh, well, you best not fucking touch it then, eh? Yeah, it's a bad idea. Don't touch that. 
I've always appreciated campaigns that do that because far too often I think the DMs kind of um, handhold parties and sometimes when parties make bad decisions they should be punished for it like i'm gonna go attack the red dragon i'm only third third level no that's a bad idea you're going to die and as well you 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 get what's it so if you'd have touched the door sean you get a lightning bolt cast through you if you touch the door again a boy dragon appears just fights you good lord can you guys take a boy dragon right now that's so mad about it I don't. I don't know if the party can. I know though that you would. It would be asses and elbows for me. So, <laughs> and all I, mean, I all I have to do is outrun one player. So yeah, all you have to do is be faster than the halfling. And you, <laughs> I mean, the halfling can dash as a bonus action, but he's still not faster than someone dashing normally. But I will say the highlight of the night, Ed, for you was that you're now the porter boy for plate mail armor. Oh, I'm just carrying it around. I, I, when I get back to the session, I realize, wow, you know, if I put this down, I'm no longer encumbered. <laughs> oh, you took it down piece by piece, I think. I don't know. Oh, good. So I don't, we, I decided, don't... we decided that you're sweeping underneath a wagon as well because you wanted to sweep outside. Yeah. Just so you're just sweeping outside on your own because they decided that, that spending time doing this sidetrack was better than like making it to safety and camping somewhere. Or so just staying the, in a big tower building. Yeah, life, I, don't know. Life, I have no idea. Is, the life lessons here, kids, are don't miss your D&D session, otherwise your party will have fun with your character. <laughs> hey, hey, I was down hit points when I came back from missing a week, so... Oh, shit, yeah, I forgot that. About was that was true. You got <laughs> shot by a crossbow bolt. That, that did happen. That did I did. Happen. They, three or four sessions... I did really well in combat, not losing anything, and then I go away for a week and I lose four hit points. What the hell is that? So you got ambushed by a group of bandits. Two of them shot at you, and one of them hit and did damage. To be fair, Sean, Chris offered to have me take control of your character, and I refused, and I said, if he dies, I do not want the responsibility for killing Sean's character. That's kind of what we said about you, too. Okay, at least that's fair. So I have, ultimately, in the end, I have Chris to blame. Nothing bad happened to you. I contemplated making you do stupid stuff just so that I could kill you all, but I probably want to see where the story goes in the end. I'm looking forward to it. All right, Sean. Well, other than some fantastic D&D, which I apparently missed on on Monday, what else did you do? Uh, Not a whole lot uh, the last couple weeks. Well, last four weeks, I wasn't on the last show. But uh, no, I I was pretty good uh, with just the D&D. For this last week and what was it, three weeks ago? Four weeks ago? Three weeks ago? Yeah, something like, something like that. So that's really all I've done gaming-wise. Uh, played some online games with my game group. Um, but other than that, not a whole lot. Just kind of busy time of the year. Um, so I just try to, I don't know, just try to, you know, compact what I can do into, into really fun stuff. Oh, yeah, no, I tell you, I'm right there, I'm right there with you because basically Chris is going to carry the segment on this one. I legitimately, this is a busy time at work right now. Um, people are getting ready to, go on vacation starting on next week so i have a ton of shit that if i want to get done before the end of the year now is the time to some people so i've been spending an awful lot of time wasn't just monday working uh off of work hours because when you're in it there's no such thing (laughs) it's off hours ever um but yeah i have have a lot of projects that i need to finish up for a year end if i want my bonus to look anything remotely what i'd like to see it as so I've been doing a ton. I've not done a ton of gaming. I got some painting done. Um, I'll give myself some credit. I'm 90% done 
with my Triarch Stalker from my Necron army. Uh, the only thing I have left is my Edge Highlighting to finish up. I finished up my Nightbringer. I pulled out Scarabs and I rebased those because those were under the old basing scheme. Um, and now I'm starting to plot. Okay, so uh, I've got my uh, Doomsday Arc built and primed. Um, I've got it in two pieces because I don't know how I'm supposed to paint that gun that goes under. If you if you don't know 40k, um, basically the vehicle is looks like a series of rib cages and there's like a spinal column that goes down the middle. That's the, basically the gun. And I don't know how the hell you're supposed to paint that if the model is assembled. So I've left them in two pieces so that I can paint the gun and then put it in and then paint the rest of the vehicle and put it all together. So I've got all that done. I've, I've been very, very motivated on um, on getting some painting done for 40K. Um, but that's really that's really been all I've had a ton of time to do recently. So that's unfortunate. I don't even have D&D &D to talk about. So unfortunately, that's all I've got. So Chris, as usual, we're going to have to have you carry this segment. Um, I've been pretty busy, really. I, not not so much fun stuff, but some of it's been fun. Um, I did lots of painting last week, working on these commissions and trying to get caught up on that. Uh, so I blasted out has, some Death Guard stuff. Has um, Sisters started yet? Which one? Has Sisters started yet? Oh, no. Damn. I'm what, trying to get... Some... You'll know, once, you, once it starts, I'll let you know. I've not even started building them yet. Oh, okay, good. Um, I've got... Remember, my, my girls like Meltica. They like yeah, Meltica. I've got like nine, nine Plague Marines left, six term... Um, Plague Marine Terminator, or Death Guard Terminators, and one Lord left to do. Um, so generally, I'd be working on them tomorrow, Saturday, Saturday and Sunday. But Jill's working this weekend, so um, not the as pictures, much time. The, the pictures you posted in Discord were those snotlings? What were uh, Nerglings, I think. Nerglings, oh, that, that was uh, that was for a um, a painting article that I've been doing for the Sentry Boxes blog. So you can good. check those out. Um, if they're in the cabinet now. <laughs> I did that painting article was part four of a contrast paint series. I finished part three as well, which was an infinity model. Was that, that, like was, all, that was all contrast paints? Uh, yeah. yeah. Really? Enough. Oh man, I can't um, wait. Is that article up on Gentry's Box site yet? Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna have to go read that. Because um, I have I'll I, put a I link in have... the Discord. Please do, please do, because uh, I have, um, once I get my Necron 2000 points finished, I want to start moving on to the Primaris that came out of the Adominus box set, and I don't know if I ever talked about this on air, but, um, so I have a Space Ring Force, if you've ever played 40k, you should probably have Space Ring, because every starter set comes a Space Ring, I could throw a rock in house and a Space Ring fall out of it, but due to the lore, my Space Ring, my own Space Ring chapter, the Sons of Steel, I'm from Pittsburgh, sorry, so they're black and gold. Um, they're not trustworthy of the Primaris project or their Primaris founding or the Ultima founding. So I intend to make a completely Primaris only cap and I'm going to paint them in a color scheme of my daughter's favorite color, purple. So, I, you know, because Belisarius Call, he, he would never use Trader Legion Genesee to make Primaris. That's crazy. Even though purple is obviously the color for the Emperor's children. So just oh. ignore the nipple rings and their and their tendencies to enjoy weird tentacle stuff. That, that's normal for primaries. It's okay. But I'm really looking forward to getting those started and painted. I'm already starting to dream up what units I want to pick up. But I've, I'm governing myself from purchasing anything primaris related until I finish my 2,000 points uh, Necron. Once that's done then I'm going to permit myself to start painting. But I know that there's a purple contrast paint, and I really wanted to see how these look. I have um, to admit that your method, I have to send you a picture. I didn't, and when it's finished, I'll send you a picture and uh, put it in the Discord for painting. 
I used your method for blue glowy bits on the Triox Stalker, where I painted um, uh, White Scars white and then went over it with the uh, the Ultramarines contrast paint, and it looks really good. I'm so excited at how well it turned out, and I'm like, wow, Chris knows what he's talking about. As I sat back and looked at it, it was dry and done. I'm like, oh, that looks really good. So, bravo. I I, I am now a true believer of contrast. I think they're good. Uh, this series is just basically talking about different ways of using them. Uh, it was initially going to be a, a quick re- like couple-part review, but I think it's turned into just a long-running all right, contrast paints, are they any good? Turns out you can do this. Or uh, if you try this, this is how it turns out kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I've done four articles, I think, on them now. Um, I, I can check easily enough. Let's have a look. Uh, but my next project with um, for article writing, I believe, is going to be the um, Necromunda um, Slave Ogryn Gang. Uh, I'm going to do the yellows and play around with that. Uh, I'm curious to see how those work because, again, my Sons of Steel, they are black and gold, which means everyone always um, everyone always confuses them with Imperial Fist because they're mostly yellow, hmm. but there's no red. It's red and it's yellow and black, but I'm curious to see what the Yayan and yellow looks over top of. Are you doing it over white or are you doing it, I assume? Um, I'm doing it over the Wraith Bone. I'm, pre- did, I'm pretty sure I sent you the, uh, the link to that uh, Bell of Lost Souls article. I'll have to think about the end. of all different colors. You did. And you, the one where they did all the bases in it? Yeah. yeah no, I, yeah. I remember that one. I did read that. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, there we go. That's just a one. Anyway, I'm just going to post this in our private chat for now and I'll fix it later. It's yeah. in podcast crap. Link to the article for the latest contrast paints. Ooh. They got some pretty colors. Yeah, easy. Um, but yeah, I've, I've got that. And my next project is going to be. Um, what is it? I'm pretty sure it was that Slave Ogryn Gang. Oh, no, paint some Nurgle Demon, so I mustn't have actually published that article yet. So the ones you've already seen are the next project. I just mustn't have published the article yet. Woo-hoo. Terrible of me. How terrible? I don't know. These are pretty Keeping good stuff guys. in my back pocket, you know. There's nothing wrong with getting work done early. Yeah, but um, so the next article is going to be those Nurgle Demons. Then I've got the Slave Ogrins that I want to work on, but I want to get these Plague Marines finished. Um, I'm working on um, a... Well, the sisters are going to be contrast paints for Ed. A, Thank you. Um, what do what you call it? Uh, I forgot that game. Sean, Legion, that's the one. Star Wars Legion, uh, I've got a rebel army that I'm going to do um, a combination of like dry brushing and contrast for Sean, because we had a conversation the other day and unfortunate sewage-related issues happened with his old Legion army. So. Oh, no. Um, oh, yeah. no. It, it literally crashed and got shat upon, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. Yeah. So. But I happen to have easy access to a used rebel army. So I'm like, mm, yeah, I can do that. Um, then I've got, yeah, these plague marines I've got to finish. I've got the, let's see, the Katachan sergeant and uh, captain, the two like limited models. Was it Ripper Jackson and the one that's definitely not Carl Weathers? <laughs> um, I've got those as a commission. I've got loads of crap just built up I need to work through. So that's been my life, basically, just trying to uh, make progress on those. Um, 
So I, I love, love the way the pants turned out. On the article that you sent here, there's one guy that you're you're going through step by step. The way that yeah. the pant the way that the pants turned out is exactly the shade of purple that I really want to do with my Primaris. So I am going to have to read this article to find out how you did that. Yeah, easy. Um, I think I put all the colors in there that I used at which stages and how I put them on. So should be fine. Like, yeah. um, I was getting a ghost input on my joystick um, for squadrons. So, mm. and I was a, a little bit <clears throat> frustrated. It's not the right word, but I couldn't quite get a, a control weight that I was happy with because I felt like I was like one... Um, one thumb hat short, either on the throttle or the joystick for doing all of the targeting stuff properly. So I ordered a new um, joystick. I got a um, an NXT Gladiator, I think. Is it NXT? Yeah. Is it uh, an XKB, that? in fact. I'm just completely wrong. Uh, uh, no, an NXT. A Gladiator NXT. Uh, and uh, you have to build it and stuff yourself it comes in the stick and the base unit and then you wear it all up and but yeah it was was pretty cool but it's got like three thumb hats on it so it feels like the stick i was used to when i worked on the tornado so <laughs> i'm a lot more i've not i haven't actually got to play that much squadrons ironically but um, i definitely feel like i'll be able to do a little bit better with that and then um on sunday jill took evie away for um three nights or two nights sunday night monday night came back tuesday so i had the house myself well it was going to be like just chilling out playing squadrons like in my pants for all day yeah but it ended up being prepping for dnd then like running dnd for you guys um i volunteered to run so i did say in the dice discord about running a West Marches D and D game for people, mm-hmm. but we didn't really have the up, uptake on it. So I said I'd run it on the crate server, and like a few people said they'd want to play in that. And then um, Paul Heaver said, uh, "Jump right in," and said he wanted to go and do go to this place, and I'd put on the map. I was like, "Oh, well, I wasn't actually planning on having a session so quickly, so I had to quickly throw together Oops. a session for that for Tuesday." So I ran D and D on Monday night, D and D on Tuesday night. Um, they all got to barter with a sea hag. And, you know, as everyone knows, bartering with uh, witches never goes uh, never goes badly. The dark powers are always just on the straight and level when you make a trade with them. Of course. Did she, did she make them drink Baileys from a shoe? <laughs> Not quite. It was like... Um, <laughs> so one of them was trying to, like, charm her. Um, uh, so... Part of a bargain that he struck, um, basically has like he had facial herpes when he left, and then so he went he went to the temple at the end of a session, and like, they cast um, lesser restoration and cured his disease. Uh, but like he's going to develop like warts on his face and stuff next, and um, yeah, at some point he'll figure out that he's cursed and not just getting random diseases. But you know what happens. Paul's playing like an Indiana Jonesy kind of rogue, but with um, wanting to do ritual casting, so it has the ritual casting feet and like, a spellbook and stuff. And he was looking for um, evidence of an ancient civilizations and stuff. So she told him that there was a magical, um, um, an ancient tablet in deeper in the cavern. 
and he said he'd trade um, his ability to cast spells for it. So now, whenever he's got the tablet, his spellbook's blank. Oh. So I, he, can't, he can't cast Comprehend Languages to read the tablet, but he has a tablet that he can't understand because he needs to cast Comprehend Languages. Like, so if he doesn't have a tablet, he can, get, he can rewrite all the spells into his spellbook and then cast them and they work. But whenever he's trying to use it with the tablet, they just all disappear out of his spellbook. Um, Alan, who played um, with us as Stanimir, is playing in the game. He was playing a, a forge cleric and had loads of ideas for wanting to make his own suit of plate mail and everything like that. And has opened up a, a, sh- a blacksmithing shop and wanted access to um, more precious metals and things. So she said she'd tell him where it was for a tithe of a third of his work. So he agreed. And now every time he tries to do anything, I make him roll a D100. If he gets a, a 33 or less, it just fails. <laughs> uh, he tried to make some uh, nails the other day. And like, no, couldn't even make nails. What a shit smith. But then <laughs> when it fails, he seen, he just like, oh, it was there's like, a chunk of silver ore over there. Oh, weird. Oh, that's it. Weird. Huh. Hmm. So... It's like, oh, when I, I was like, I thought I'd just have to do a third extra work and like take stuff to her. It's like, no, no, just, I mean, I know that's what you thought, but not what she intend, intended. Oh, yeah, making making packs with dark powers never ends well. Or does it? That's a different yeah. game. You guys do what you want. Don't let that, don't let, you know, game B influence game A. It's fine. Yeah, everything will be fine. It'll all be good. So thanks, Alan. Sorry if I ruined your forge cleric. Not sorry. <laughs> Um, what else was uh, um, I have to admit that I'm kind of jealous that Alan got to play D&D with Paul Heaver that just sounds like so much fun it's not hard, you literally just go over to the uh, Create Discord, which you're already a member of from playing Squadrons and I it's am. an open invite to people to make a character and play in the game oh. I know, it's it's finding that time that's the, that's the, that's the killer is finding the time yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that's it I, I, I watched uh, well I started watching Designated Survivor on Sunday uh, on my Netflix. Wife is, my, my wife has been watching that. So I've never watched it before, but um, my uh, mum and her husband were here uh, last week and he watched like episode one and I caught like, the second half of it. It's like, pretty good. So I put it on and I expected a normal like Netflix series kind of thing. You know, I'm used to Mandalorian where it's eight episodes or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'll go to, go to bed, take a laptop upstairs and watch it in bed. Like, watch episode 9 and 10 in bed. And then like, episode 11 starts. And it's like, oh, what? What? What the hell? Like, and like, I'm on like, episode like 20 here? now. And I'm like, it's still season one. Oh, I can't do full length, like, real seasons anymore. I've been ruined. Wait, they still do those? Like, what? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm watching The Blacklist and I'm into season three. And I'm still trying to get used to that 22 episode season, you know, yeah. where you have a storyline that goes for 10 episodes or 11 episodes, and then the next storyline starts. And, and I love the blacklist for two reasons. A lot of people I know don't like it. The number one in episode one, it literally jumped the shark, and every episode is made that way. So they don't, it takes itself seriously to the point of knowing that they've already jumped the shark just because of the things that go on in it. 
but it's really good. It's it's enjoyable. I watched it first run through uh, to a little bit into season three and then couldn't. Whenever babies are introduced into shows, I lose a lot of interest just because usually by that time, shows start jumping the shark because of a baby. And since this one's already done it, I think I'll stick with it and watch it That's through to the current season. Half of season one. But um, yeah, I, I can't remember his name now. It's really annoying. James Raymond Spader. Raymond James Reddy. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. James Alan Spader. Shaw. It'll always be Alan Shaw. He is so good in that show though. I mean, yeah. he, he just makes it so good. Ultron, um, that Doctor yep. Stargate. Yeah, Stargate. Uh, yeah, exactly. his, his favorite role for me is Stargate. That, that's my Agreed. Agreed. Boston Legal, man. All the way, Boston Legal. He, okay. uh, he was good there, too. And then it had Shatner, too, so you can't really, like, beat uh, that. Just that relationship, that dynamic, Shatner and Shaw. It's just... <laughs> yeah, that's legendary. And uh, Shatner's good in that because he's literally just playing himself. I think Shatner's been playing himself for like 25 years, to be honest with you. It's like one of those characters, it's like when you hire Nick Cage for a movie, you know who you're getting. You're getting Nick Cage. When you hire Shatner, you know you're getting William Shatner. And he, they just play it up. It works well with the character in Boston League. I always thought that. Yeah, but with Nick Cage, the one thing you can be guaranteed is that he is probably the slowest runner on the planet. Any movie that he has to run, if you watch him run, it's like they're speeding up the scene to make him look faster than he really is. It's no Tom Cruise, that's for sure. Not at all. Not at all. Not leaping off a building and breaking his own ankle for the scene. Although I have to admit, okay, so I personally, I don't want to, I don't want to offend. Well, you talk as well. You know what you get in with Nick Cage. Put the bunny back in the box. (laughs) (laughs) I will high quality. the one thing I will always give Tom Cruise credit for, despite some of his questionable belief systems, let's leave it at that, is I've always thought it was cool that he always does his own stunts, and every every year that they do a Mission Impossible scene, it's always like, I can't believe he just filmed it. And the one that nailed me was always was that one where he's on the side of the airplane. And I'm like, there's no way. They had to have CG'd that. Nope. Tom Cruise on a harness on the side of an airplane, and they filmed that seven times, and we didn't see, we only saw the seventh cut, which means he did that six other times that nobody ever saw it. I'm like, all right, that's pretty did you, badass. Did you see that? Is it Kate Blanchett broke his underwater um, record for um, Avatar 2? They were film, filming a scene in that, and she held a breath longer than Tom Cruise did in Mission Impossible. So I she's now holds that. the record. Yeah, pretty sure it's Kate Blanchett, Avatar 2. She held a breath for ages to do some underwater scene. I don't know. Is it crazy to me? I have no interest in that movie at all. None. Don't get me wrong, Avatar, like, Avatar was a phenomenon. When you say out. that I, now, but you'll watch it. I probably will. So, it'll be on, I watched, it'll be on Disney+. I, Plus, so. I watched Avatar, I think, like, three or four years after it released. Well, so you've seen only, Dancing with Wolves already, so you weren't right, right. Exactly. right. The only thing I would give it credit for, it, it was when it was in IMAX, was to be able to see it in IMAX, because that was how it was intended to be seen. That's how I saw it. I thought it is was it, really cool. Is it, one, is it Fern Gully, the other one? The cartoon yeah, Fern, version? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fern Gully, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, the story yeah. is shit. The story is absolutely dancing well, with Well, man, well, I will not hear a bad word said against a quest for an Obtanium. <laughs> really, to me, it was just a story about a guy who wanted to get laid. Yes, and some weird, freaky uh, alien poon. That's what we're going for on this one. <laughs> just, I don't know. I, I mean, um, you know... What kills me is Sigourney Weaver's in it, and I love Sigourney Weaver. I absolutely. But she love was her. actually good in it. 
she was she really was kind good. of a I, highlight for me. I agree. Completely. Not as good as Galaxy Quest. Oh, oh nothing God, no. will ever be as good as Galaxy Quest. For different reasons. So, like, I, I, I love her in the Alien franchise. Maybe not so much Alien Resurrection, but definitely the the first two Alien movies. I love her in those movies. I, and I love... But then you see in that same year, she did Ghostbusters. And I loved her in that, too. So, like, Galaxy Quest for me, it's like between Alien and Galaxy Quest, which Sigourney Weaver is, is on the top of my list for me? And I'm not sure which one wins that. Well, the most genuine scene in Galaxy Quest is when they get to the Chompers. Yeah, because I think it was completely unscripted. Like, every word that came out of her mouth was not intended to be scripted. And that's why they had to dub it. Yes, because she swore and she wasn't supposed to. <laughs> F that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's just Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> All right. Anything else, Chris? I mean, it's not, like, again, you carried the segment for me. Not really. Just play. Uh, Joe's back at work today. It was the first day back at work, so having to parent evie's not been too well so i'm not sure she's got a uti or something so it's been fun i uh, can't get into a doctor's until um monday it's a birth it's evie's birthday on monday which will be yesterday when you listen to it but, um, Happy birthday at the doctor yeah well. uh, but yeah it's fine oh i went to a doctor's as well so i, I can't you probably hear, well, you guys will hear. Hopefully, I'm, I'm mostly edited out from the listeners. But like, when you can hear me breathing, because I can't breathe through my nose and I like, haven't been able to for as long as I can remember. And like, la- this time last year, they sent me for um, like, an allergy test and stuff to see if it was just some allergy. And they, they, the guy doing that did it. It's like, you're not really allergic to anything. You got, you'll have mild hay fever, but like, you've got a deviated septum. I can tell from just looking up your nose. So I've, I went to a doctor in the military and saw a specialist and stuff and I got referred to like three different people. But then um, I've been waiting just before COVID was my fault of a doctor to then get referred to a surgeon or whatever. And I was like, oh, it's been nearly a year now. I should probably check up on that. So I went in and um, so I, oh, yeah, I just got missed. So, um, so I got a phone call um, yesterday. I have a specialist appointment on the 23rd of December. So I'm hoping that that's just a consult, not a I'm going to break your nose on the 23rd of December. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Here's pictures of Chris at Christmas with his broken nose. Yeah. Because you're going to go to mean, black eyes no matter what. <laughs> if I can breathe, I'll take it. You know what I mean? Like, How does that? Um, Just a birth defect. I don't know. Because like, apparently so my nose, like, my nose is straight. Life? Yeah, yeah, I was going like, to say. It's, I don't know if it was it, a boxing injury, maybe. I don't know. No, like, it's I, been just, I, I've always breathed through my mouth. I find it very, like, hmm. you know what I mean? Like, even Archek's so, voice struggles to get it most of the time. <laughs> but it's just I'll put it this way. If you wouldn't been. have said it to me, I'd have probably never noticed. Now I'm going to always notice because you've said it. And I've I've known you for years, and I've never noticed that. I've actually always noticed it because I breathe mostly through my mouth, too. I've had my adenoids removed and other issues and... Ultimately, it's, I don't have a deviated septum, but I just don't have, your sinuses at the top have to be open for you to breathe through your nose, and mine, most of the time, are closed. They're yeah, I, initially, that's what I thought it was going to be, because I think my uncle ended up having the bone filed down as a surgery when he was like a teenager. So I, when I was in the military, I went, and I was that's what I was expecting to have to happen, because like, they put me on a course of steroids to try and open them up and everything. And that didn't work. And then I had to get driven. So they got me a military driver to take me from um, 
Right, right. An hour drive to an army barracks to see an army doctor who was a specialist. And he was running late. So he took me into the office. Um, one of his questions was, have you ever used like the nasal decongestants? You know, like the tablets you can get. And I was like, yeah, I've used them. As in, like, I have used them. It was like, oh, well, it was just because you're not using them anymore. And then, like, showed me out of his office. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's usually, that's usually the starting point is they give you crap to shoot up your nose or yeah. do the nasal decongestant, you know, and you come back, it doesn't work. Oh, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll do all these other tests and then they find out it doesn't work. And then finally they do x-rays of your skull and then they see, you know, your clothes. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure I've had x-rays and I can't remember. I don't know. No, I think, yeah, I think I've had x-rays. So that's why it must be the, hopefully it's a, a just a, a cartilage or whatever, and a swift punch to the face, and I'll be okay. I mean, lots of people would say that I've needed that for a while, so. <laughs> I would not be one of them. <laughs> all right. Well, I hope that all goes well. You have to keep us posted on that. Let's get down to more serious talk, unfortunately. Uh, those of you who are obviously listening to this all in audio, I do have a glass of wine that I am holding uh, for this particular talk. So, Let's get into some of the details. Uh, long story short, uh, FFG um, is moving their game. Well, Asmodee, since Asmodee is the parent company, is moving their games over to Asmodee. Um, to Atomic Mass Games. Atomic Mass Games, which is a subsidiary of. Yeah. This includes the beloved game that this game that this uh, podcast is based on, which is X. And this includes Affing Shakeups, Dino Shakeups, and we're not really sure just yet where that leaves the game. I have all kinds of thoughts. Am I missing any of the details on that first? I want to make sure I get the. I want to make sure I get um, all the details first and out of the way first before we. So what I wanted to ju- I wanted to jump in once you kind of intro the topic just to ju- do a bit of housekeeping on it. Sure. Um, unlike I'm not going to name names or anything like that, but I didn't think it was appropriate to do any content dedicated to this. Like the only reason we're really talking about it now is because we're scheduled to have a show now. And like, if we don't, I think not talking about it is probably more of a disservice. I agree. But the conversation's probably going to be more focused on speculation and what we think and our feelings and stuff like that. But I didn't think it was appropriate to put out any content to to milk for clicks and stuff like that because I it's people's lives that have been affected by this, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna over exaggerate or lie and say I'm like great friends with all these people i've spent time with them outside of professional interactions i uh, we've, we've sat down we've with had them. meals with these people and um and i it's it's like i say it's people's lives and i just didn't i didn't feel like i could do the content or do anything about it in a way that wasn't a disservice to those friendships and things so i i'm happy to get into it now because uh, it would be a disservice to all of the listeners to not, but yeah, uh, that's how I, I've my 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 deep rooted feelings on this is more that I'm focused on the people than than anything else really. So that's I just wanted to get that out. So I, it was it's very easy for people to have been putting out content right away and like getting getting those hate clicks or whatever you want to call them and just. But I would rather not have a YouTube channel than do that in this instance. So. Specifically, the folks involved, absolutely. Yeah. So the first... I, that that's not to 
cast any aspersions on on people who did make content. Obviously, there are people who would have been interested in the news, and they might not have the same attachments or the same opinions as me. So there's no judgment in that statement. But like, it's that ghoulish, like paparazzi kind of <laughs> thing that I just have no interest in. I can understand. So I'm, I, I, we will talk about the the people and the, that kind of stuff, but my my focus for the conversation tonight is going to be more of the organizational structure and kind of coming at it from the my professional side so if i seem a little bit out there or all over the place that's my excuse and i'm sticking to it so i just wanted to caveat it all first sure i can i can understand it um I, I, I only want to call out one thing from, and, and I agree with you that there are people's lives involved. We had the same feeling whenever OP got moved over to Asmodee and was pulled away from FFG because a friend of a show, a personal friend of ours, we've hung out with, so we've had conversations that didn't involve X-Wing or gaming in any way, shape, or form as far as what's happening at FFG, but other stuff. Someone I've played Battlefront 2 with on back when we were doing it, uh, whenever Wade Pichet was left over. Yeah, I, I, I was... stayed at Wade's house when we when I stayed in Minnesota. I've, you know what I mean? I've, yeah, that was All pain. of these people I can... I consider friends, so... Agreed. So the one that, for me, personally, what was the, the big one for me, uh, Alex Davey, uh, lead developer, uh, he was doing he was lead developer for X-Wing for eight years. He also did, was, he was primarily focused recently on Star Wars Legions, for the most of my knowledge. He was part of... He was, a pro- he was a lead on Legion, from what I understand. Correct. Um, Alex put our show, the old show, Nova Squadron Radio, on the map, in my personal, honest opinion. I will give full credit to the entire staff here. I will give full credit to friends who were part of this, the Nova Squadron team who helped us kind of get together. We did kind of have a an ace in the back pocket with having attachment to the Nova Squadron guys because Paul Heaver, uh, world champion at the time, was part of that team. And then, of course, he went on to three-peat during the course of that. That definitely helped us along the way. But our third episode of Nova Squadron Radio involved uh, an interview with Alex Davey talking about Wave 4 whenever it came out, which included the, uh, the Phantom... Uh, the Tide Defender, and all the ships that came along on Wave 4. And he had an honest, frank conversation with us during the course of that, and we've stayed in touch since. Um, losing him under the wing of X-Wing is a chain. It, 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 I, 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 he was fantastic. I don't know how else to put it. He was fantastic. I know a lot of people, whenever the, he and Frank came into the, uh, Frank Brooks came in, the Frank Brooks, I need to make sure I always say that correctly. They really took X-Wing into a very different direction where it started from wave one wave two wave three. and it's been part of his vision to get it all the way through wave uh, all the way through um first edition getting it into second edition all of this was part of the, he and that design team's part i've always just seen alex as the figurehead so seeing that he is no longer with uh the organization from a personal perspective is very i think alex is going to do well wherever he um i think it sucks that he is no longer currently employed i think he's going to land on his feet somewhere he is going to be a strong asset for another organization i don't think this is the last we're ever going to hear alex davy's name in gaming it just stinks that it's no longer going to be associated with star wars x-wing brand i do want to get that out of the way i've always given him credit um that was easily the largest uh downloaded episode that we ever did um of nova squadron radio was the episode that alex came on and talked about wave four it's genuinely what i felt put us on the map and gave a lot of attention in our direction and helped uh, catapult our podcast to where it was whenever we uh, we stopped doing it as one of the top ones in the business. Others have come up and risen up since then, and good for them. I'm very happy for all of those folks, and I know most of them. 
and I'm very happy that they're doing what they're doing. But darn it, we were the we were the first as far as to get up into those echelons. And I, I, I do want to give Alex and the team credit. Plus, I mean, they were such nice guys. Like when we were out there for Worlds, um, they granted us space to record a show. We were the only podcast recording uh, episodes on the floor of Worlds. Alex didn't have to do that for him. He did. He he gave us space and gave us room to be able to do that. He gave us time during the event to be able to interview Frank and Wade and himself. He they all sat down with us during the time frame. Um, they were very accommodating from a professional's perspective. But then personally, we went out and hung out with dinner. And it's so the reason why I'm holding this wine in my hand is it's a toast to Alex. I am going to miss you in this game. Yeah, yeah. and I you have to include Jimmy Lee in there too. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, Jimmy and um, Matt Holland as well. So yeah, most yeah. people would know Matt and Alex as the uh, the face yeah. of X Wing from like they commentate the world's finals for the last couple of years. For and, me though, um, it's, for me though, it's always the organized play side. You know, it's all and I worked with Alex and Frank in 2014. Worked with Alex and Frank again in 2014, um, both at uh, Gen Con and then at Worlds in 14, and then always stayed in contact. You know, or always had a connection with them. And it sucks to see, you know, one of the things is bad timing. You know, this is not the greatest time in the world to lose a job. Agreed. And those are the concerns that I have, you know. Like you said, I know that Alex will land on his feet. You know, he's going to be a good, a great game designer somewhere else if that's where he chooses to stay. And, you know, I'm hoping that Jimmy Lee can find a place where he can fit in for his community building and his you know those things i think he'd be a great community manager for our game company you know because he's just uh i don't know what you call it but like a, a uh you know high energy personality per- personable is bring, yeah. you know, brings a lot of energy to a role uh he interacts well with uh, like the crowds and yeah really good guy you know matt it's funny matt holland is kind of the one him and matt baxter came down from minnesota they had heard about me and how i run tournaments and they came down for the regional that I ran in, in 2014, and that literally, in my opinion, not only did it put me into playtesting, but it propelled me to be who I was in that community because because of them talking about me and how I ran it basically allowed me to work that Gen Con that, that you know, it was, it was Roy and I when we did the May, I think it was May 3rd or 4th or something like that. We did the regionals. Uh, Roy did his in, was it Pittsburgh? Yep. The genus yep. of Nova Squadron Radio happened on that regional. Yep. So you had that regional, my regional, they happened at the same time. That's where we put Cryodex on, you know, a bigger face on the map. Um, Cryodex was already there because it was there for uh, the uh, campaign, the cat campaign against cancer. Um, for the first year or a tournament, I think, in, in association with that. And, you know, so Holland, I have great respect for Matt. And because if it really and truthfully wasn't for him and for Matt Baxter, you know, I would have just been a small time player in Omaha, Nebraska and never would have been, you know, would never have been reached out to by um, Jaffer Batica and the guys at Fantasy Flight that brought me in for that Gen Con. Um, and then again, being the first, I don't, I was paid, but it was paid differently back then, but I was the first judge, you know, from outside of fantasy flight at worlds in 2014. And that's what kind of spilled everything over, you know, for the future. So you just can't beat, you know, these guys and and what they, number one, what they did for the game period. You know, I could talk about a lot of them. I'm not going to, um, 
but you know, it's, it's amazing. You know, the friends that I made, Brendan Weiss Cotton, you know, he was a, a great guy, you know, loved him. I, I don't know if he stuck with fantasy flight or not. Um, you know, you just, you just had a great group of guys and it's kind of sad to see that organized play side diminish or gone. I don't, you know, we don't know the full story if there's still organized play through asthma day or if it's going to switch. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, is that where you want to start Ed? Do you want to hit all fees of, that... of shape or do you want to hit games in think... general or I don't know? Well, I think, uh. So there's two different directions I think we want to go with it. I think the first plot I want to go with, I think OP is probably pretty hot there. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with the game, to be perfectly honest with you. We have uh, been born and raised, and for those of us that have been around for a while, and even those who have our, who are new X-Wing fans who are listening to this for the first time and been used to the idea of the concept of the, uh, the they're not regionals anymore, they're the, the, the big events and all the issues that I had with, you know, this is what X-Wing really is, but then you have the other side of this that isn't really X-Wing, but you play that. All of that has now been tossed up in turmoil. Because FFG hosted World at their own facility in the past. And one of the things that I had said to Chris and Sean in the, the shared chat that we've had is, can um, Atomic Games, do, do they even, what does their organized play even look comparison? Because the one thing that you so... can do... They've done uh, Atomic Mass Games, from my knowledge, have done three OP kits. The first one was a launch kit, which was actually an Avengers Assemble kit. It had an iron on patch and some alternate art cards in it, and everyone who did it got the same thing. I think it was like 15 US dollars for a store to order the kit, something like that. And you got eight patches and eight sets of cards, so you could support eight core sets and the idea was that you gave them out to people as they bought a core set after a demo game or whatever or you could do it as a building day where anyone who built the, the gang or whatever got the, uh, the stuff uh, then there's been another one which is alt art cards and then vibran vibranium assault which was a scenario pack effectively which gave you a different mission because the way uh, that one, real quick. That one hasn't come out yet. It was supposed to come out pre-COVID, and with COVID, it got delayed. So it'll be out in like October, I think, yeah. or it was supposed to be out in October. Yeah. Uh, some some stars have seen it. I, I've seen pictures of it in people's hands online, yeah, so but I've not personally been able to order one through the store because obviously I'd be running the events and stuff anyway. I've got in the garage upstairs. I've got all of the stars OP stuff for every game. But I'm currently running OP for because there's no point in it being sat in the store, so it's all just sat in my garage. But yeah, uh, it's a very different beast to what X-Wing OP was, or well, any of the FFG OP for the Star Wars games. So, needless to say, that it's definitely less competitively oriented. It is more participation oriented, which is fine. I'm totally on board with that. I've always like kind of like the idea of if you show up to an event, you pay to play an event, you should come away with something. I've always believed in that. Uh, so a lot of this stuff appears to have been a the store soaks a cost as well. Yeah. Like you the store pays for it and then well, gives it to the customers for free. Fairness, FFG kits were the same way, but the way that they recouped that was charging for the event if your store did that. Like I, all the yeah, stores that I'm doing here, every event that I've But what I mean is like how do you as a store host a like you I suppose you can host the tournament and give out the 
the alternate art cards to everyone, but literally when the pack is eight of the same thing, how, you, 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 like, how would you do it? Like do a $5 entry fee? To me, I didn't ever mind at stores doing an entry fee to get into a league or mm-hmm. something That's like exactly that. How we a, because exactly I think it helps players be more committed to it. Not always, you know. But if you're paying five bucks, you know, you want your you want your five dollars worth out of it. You know that that well, type of the, thing. The so side, the other the thing part. as well. Sorry, it, um, I'm relative. I, I don't. I, this isn't confirmed. This is conjecture. I believe that Asmodee OP are the ones who sorted out the atomic mass um, organized play stuff. So I believe that was Wade and Jimmy and Matt hmm. who... Yeah, because that thing that I posted on our chat, it they had kind of a, you know, a, a motto, not a motto, they had a, a write-up about it and they believe that OP should be not driven like that competitive side, yeah. but driven by the store and driven as a community. So rather than having, you know prizes for winning a league or that type of thing you get a prize for playing you know in every game that you play you would get whatever the prize is for that week or whatever and it even has a whole write-up if you actually read their write-up on the vibranium one it's you know play games get participation but it's a little different in how they tell the story rather you in fantasy flight told the story similar to but the onus seemingly from their write-up is that it's on the store yeah, that the store needs to organize, you know, the, the stores, the drug, because they want the things happening in the store. So the, the big thing is, say at least in the yeah, store. I think, right, just to summarize what I think Sean's kind of getting at is obviously for the FFG thing we are used to in a big way for X-Wing, especially, is regardless what they are called or what names they went through, there was like a pyramid you had the star championships into regionals into nationals into worlds like atomic mass don't have that it's not been the the model wasn't designed to be that and like they've effectively well so my, i think they've been in business again um i don't have this data to hand so it's all estimates and conjecture on my part so don't quote me on it again because we're talking about people's lives and everything like that mm-hmm. Of I'm trying to treat this more as a a news or journalist journalistic ethics. So in case I'm incorrect on these things, I should have probably pulled up the stuff because I knew we we're going to be talking about it. But that's by the by now. But I think like Atomic Mass have been in business for like two two and a half years. Crisis Protocol was announced at Gen Con 2018, I believe. So Asmodee founded Atomic Mass to create the game after they got the Marvel license. Then they um, announced as part, like, FFG let them dovetail on to, I think it was 2018, uh, Gen Con announcements. Then 2019, everything got released. So it's been out for just over a year. Like, the first year, no real organized play support other than uh, those kits. And one of the things I've seen spoken about is how people are happier with the distribution model and uh, that shows a level of naivety that i don't think people are currently grasping like the it's a brand new game that didn't have necessarily a market that's designed for you to buy one of each character pack because it's individual characters 
that you can't play multiples of. So like, you, very few people are going to have bought more than one of a specific pack. And then like, there was still, if you if you wanted to buy Venom, you would have had to wait for between um, six or eight months, I think it was, before Venom came back into stock. So like, when they sell out, they still have the same delays as what FFG had. It's just because it's a smaller like sales number, it's easy to stay on top of. So... I don't know where all of this faith is coming from of being able to dump Legion, Armada, and X-Wing on them. And people say, oh, everything's going to be better than it was for FFG. So, <laughs> Yeah, and that's, I think, what people are kind of jumping on with the negative side of it is, you know, because the, the write-up that, that Atomic Mass Games did talked about taking something, you know, great and making it even better. And it's like, I think people fear with those words there, it's a little different, you know, that people are going to ruin the game because they're going to try to do too much. Kind of like at the end of 1.0 when it just got so far out of hand. I don't think, from my my guess, I don't think that that's going to happen. I, I really think that, that X-Wing will stay X-Wing. It might just have different flavor to it. So I think the only thing, sorry, I know you were trying to say something, or... All I was saying, all I was trying to say was like, or they don't genuinely have any idea what they've gotten themselves into with the level of competitive. I will just jump in. I I don't feel that they have got themselves into anything. Okay, well, I feel. I mean, I just they got no. It's yeah, it's a very slippery slope where like there should be no hard feelings towards the people at Atomic Mass Games here. No, 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 no. even if it turned like. The only argument you could make, and I've seen made, is that surely they would have offered all of the designers jobs and to bring them over. And it's like, well, they're a, a startup, well, not a startup company, but they're a relatively new company that have no idea if they're going to be able to support all of these designers because at FFG, they were working in multiple, you know, wearing multiple hats. If Atomic Mass can't support that, they can't employ all those people. It's unfair to put that burden on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, yeah, even no, think, even those I criticisms, I feel, are unfair. But it's it's very yeah, you've got to be very careful in the terminology you use because it, they have connotations which aren't necessarily right. what we're trying to say. You're right, and maybe I should preface every statement that I say with the following statement: that I don't know what Atomic Games is capable of. I don't know what they're going to do, and I don't necessarily assess blame or success specifically on them. This has been something that's kind of put on them. And I want them to do well. I need, well, I, think... to make, I need to make that abundantly clear because I I genuinely feel, at least of all the other games, like there's a bunch of miniature. There are a bunch of little smaller miniature games. Uh, Infinity, like, there, there's a bunch of them out there. If you want to get into a miniatures game, there's a ton of them out there. But the community that has been built up around X-Wing over the last 10 years has been, I, I'm not, and again, I'm currently in the position of a kitchen table player. I don't consider myself a competitive player but has been driven by and focused in by the organized level of organized play, the community, and those big events, those big events of being like a nationals or regionals. Like those have been the driving factor that keeps this game hot and on topic. So all I'm trying to offer a friendly piece of advice to those that, that are now in charge of comic games is that there is a lot of level of expectation for this particular. And that's all. You know, there, there, it- expectations is what and i think i think a good way to look at this and for everybody to look at it is patience yes this is something new this is a new realm for you know for a company for a game for a gaming community 
it's just patience. Let's see what happens. Let's wait, you know, before we, you know, before we get the, you know, pitchforks and torches out, you know, it's better to wait, be patient and see what they do. The other thing is, and Chris has brought this up before when we've talked about X-Wing, X-Wing, the community that plays competitively is not the prime driver for x-wing no and i agree and that is a secondary point we definitely should talk about because Correct. it is not the prime driver so if x-wing moved away from competitive play let's just say x-wing is now a casual play game so they still have op events things like that but it's a casual game now that's an opportunity for the community to step up and, and chris brought this up in our conversation Absolutely. where I, I wouldn't mind just putting a pin in this, Sean, before we go. No, no, I'm not going to bring the ones I want to. I want to go on to before. I, I want to talk about it. Okay, it's just okay. stuff I wanted to cover first. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Let, let me finish real quick. But the key is the key is that everybody just needs to wait and see. You know. Yeah. Let's wait, see what happens with this before we jump. You know, jump the wagon here and start attacking because ultimately yeah. that's the only way the game can stays getting better you know, is the community supports the game. So what I wanted to d- cover before we move on to the topic Sean was going to broach there is um, uh, for the vast majority of people, maybe not people listening to this podcast or with, who listen to podcasts at all, but for the vast majority of customers and the vast majority of stores, there will be no change at all from this. Like me and Sean were chatting a while ago about the Star Wars RPG and how it switched over to Edge Productions from Fantasy Flight Games when they had that last batch of redundancies and everything. So uh, we've received our first restock since that happened and they all still have the FFG logo on them. So I can only assume that this reprint was planned before that happened because they still don't have the new publishers stuff on. But the FFG branded stuff came through distribution as edge publishing and all of that you know what i mean so the same thing will happen that everything that is scheduled will go down the line like we'll do a points update next week because there's two new ships coming out like the um um the legion rules reference guide update went up today and like there's no way alex david didn't write that like in the in the short term nothing's going to change in the medium to long term, most people won't notice any impact at all because the store like in Canada, if you want to order stuff from Atomic Mass Games, you have to buy it from Wine Rampant because it's an Asmodee product and they're the exclusive distributor. If you want to buy a, an FFG game, you've got to get it from Wine Rampant because the exact same statement stands. You yeah. know, like, it's on the same order form. It's going to be in the same... Like, if you sort it by product, it's going to be in the same place on your order form. It's going to live in the same place on the, in the shelf on the store. Nothing's going to change in that regard. I don't feel it was any reason to panic. As Sean was touching on at the start, like the, the statement of wanting to make changes, I mean, you've got to be able to read a PR statement, guys. You have two choices. You either... like you, you, There isn't even a choice. You can't come out and make a statement saying, this thing that we've inherited we're just going to tread water with it. Uh, you, that's not a PR statement. The only statement to make is that you want to take it on board, run with it, and make it bigger and better. That's the only statement any company in their right mind is ever going to put out. It doesn't mean it. Those words are absolutely meaningless. Everything we've read that has a letter-headed paper is fucking meaningless because it's all PR. Uh, none of it is true. None of it is factually accurate. It's all just designed 
to be put in front of the media to be dis- disseminated to us to keep us the tone of this is going to take a turn but to keep us controlled <laughs> and make sure we continue buying the product because that's their job and that's what they should do there's nothing wrong with that i'm not trying to say that's a bad thing but like you can't you can't read that state and this is why what i was talking with sean before we started about how i need to be careful about how i brought this because i don't want to get into too much calling out specific individuals in the community or specific individuals online for being fucking retards but um yeah we'll, like, see, how far, we'll see how far we get we we'll see if we succeed with that uh, but, uh, that that's it that's where i, I but just i can't i can't even with like, okay. some of the stuff that you're reading and it's like the we know factually that i believe it was andrew navarro did the interview when he ca- took over um from christian peterson they did an interview and they stated factually that they had the release schedule planned up until 2023. So that means that that stuff's in development. So that would mean that some of that stuff's been play tested. So that would mean that some of it's at the factories. Some of it's probably already sat in the warehouse in Minnesota waiting to be shipped to stores. Like some of it's on a boat from China. None of that's going to change. Uh, the, yeah. the, not even in like this is, I'm talking about a year out. This time next year, we will still be having the fruits of the labors of all the people who... Uh, Alex's stuff for Legion will still be coming out in a year's time. Uh, when did they show us... Wasn't this Gen Con? It was the Gen Con 2019. They showed us pictures of the uh, uh, Clone Wars Armada stuff for Legion. Um, yeah, for Clone Wars Armada fleets. Right. They're out at Christmas. Yep. Do you think that they like don't have the, the set of expansions planned that are going to come out in September next year? Oh yeah, we 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 know that. I mean, yeah. So obviously, what's interesting to me is that because of what we've done in the past and probably some in the present, we understand that portion of it. You know, it's the you know it's the guy that's out there that's you know worried yeah, about. Like, there, there there are people out there. I've seen a lot of stuff written, and it's interesting because you know there. are I think there's three sides to this coin. You got the sky is falling person out there. I'm selling everything. You know, that person. Yeah. You have the you have the person who's lamenting on, you know, worlds, organized play, the things that brought the communities together. And then you have the third person out there that has no idea any of this is going on. They're just out there to buy the product. You know, because not- they either put it in a glass case or play with their kids on a kitchen table and never know that there's even that world out there for you know nice. i would put money on person number three is the like, the most populous of those three individuals right. i would agree Mo- with that i would agree with that and i would also agree with that that person probably doesn't even have any idea that any of this is even happening to be yeah. perfectly honest yeah. right. not a won't impact their lives in the slightest nope that having been said and I think we can agree, all agree on that point, that 85% of the community is not going to feel the impact a year, two years about this change, because it's not going to affect them in any way, shape. They don't go to tournaments, they don't go to events, they don't go to your Nova Opens or your LVOs. Like, they have no interest whatsoever in the competitive community, they just want to play with plastic spaceships to make GPU noise. Not going to affect you, you're fine. The game will still be here a year, two years from now. Those that are left in that percentage though have some legitimate concerns so i don't want to like there's a big part of me that wants to be like 85 percent. you're gonna be fine you're still even if the game evaporated you still have all your plastic spaceships and still be able to play those anytime you want it's not going to affect you in any way it is that other 15 percent though that i don't want to 
discount because I genuinely you know, it's not trying to marginalize people in their feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think though <laughs> this is probably gonna be that, but the people that are the the ones who like to win the prizes are the ones who will be affected the most. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially. Potentially. Allegedly, potentially, whatever you want to throw well, in there. Again, yeah, like we have no official announcements from Atomic Games on what they're going to be doing, but I would highly suspect that the structure of organized play is going to change significantly. One way or the other. Either A, they're going to take a hard swing left and say, you know, this whole competitive things and these national tournaments and going to these big events, that's just not us. That's not our brand. Like, we want you to play the game, and sure, if you show up to gen con or you show up to a nova open we'll be there and we'll sell you the game and we'll give you out some prizes but like the whole idea of holding a tournament to see who's wins nationals at us or nationals uk or nationals in in france that's just, that's just not us that's not our game that very well could happen um and there are all alternatives to that which i think we're going to get to here i think that's kind of the conversation that sean was getting into there are alternatives to that which we we will cover but they could swing hard right they could lean into the competitive community as it was and say no no, no we're going to continue that and we're going to do more we're going to break it down and we're going to have all of these events we're going to sponsor they genuinely could go that direction i think that like sean's right there's patience there's ramp up to that uh, i think the the way you have to view it is from a, a corporate entity way and then it becomes pretty apparent what actually happened yeah because we spoke about this maybe two months ago and the initial height of covid and everything and i believe i was on the fence on the side of like i don't i don't think there's any risk to x-wing was i'm not worried at all um about this like once it's over It'll come back and rebuild, and the structure will be in place. It'll take time. Ever, it'll evidently, come. paying people to tread water isn't in their best corporate interests. And uh, turns out, corporate entities don't have morals, so doesn't really matter, you know. Well, I mean, corporate. Yeah, you are correct. They're they're not there. They're not there to allow people to tread water. It's this was my yeah. fear that I'd really never talked about too much, just because I didn't want to jinx people. But at the beginning of COVID, I was worried about organized play because yeah, and I, I remember I was having a conversation. And I did, I yeah. disagreed, and like it looks like I was wrong. Yeah, like, it was it was one of those things. Yeah, because we did touch tiny bits, but I never really threw this out into the forefront because a lot of my friends with Fantasy Flight are in organized play. They're the people I know best. You know, I did know Frank and you know Alex and those guys, and I get it. But it always worried me. That when you have a break in need, and and I put it that way, it's a break in need for people to do things. You know, why did Man Holland get released? I'm gonna guess it's because there's no Gen Con, there's no there's no events, there's whatever the the he went to all kinds of events to bring the volunteers there to demo games. When you I don't guess, have that, if, you know, if the sales numbers are still fine this year, why fucking bother? Well, but but. Even if, even if the sales are down, not, Sean, are they down enough that if you take away the expense of like not of doing a physical GenCon, a physical worlds rather than an FFG online and a GenCon online, if you switch those costs around, does it matter how much the sales might be down this year? I don't think so, but I think it's it's kind of like interpretive dance, you know. Yeah. That, that's what this reminds me of. It's like an interpretive dance where I might understand what the hell's going on in that dance, but Ed may have no clue because 
his, you know, his mindset isn't that way. It's the same thing with corporations. You know, they don't know when the end of COVID is going to be. Nobody knows that at this point. It's easier. And, and, and as asthma day, you know, I don't know anything about asthma day, to be honest with you. So but... the, the only thing that makes me really, and this made me extremely sad, like two days ago when all of this was happening and it was still fresh in people's minds is I have distinct memories. I believe we may have even discussed it of when that merger happened. I remember us talking about it. I'm fairly certain I was putting out the, the part of it because it was a merger. It wasn't a takeover. I remember stressing that FFG and Asmodee merged because Asmodee, this was the, again, the press releases that I believed at the time was that Asmodee wanted to take a lot of the knowledge that FFG had from their organized play and introduce it into the like European stronghold for all the Asmodee games. And FFG wanted to lean on Asmodee's distribution in Europe. Yep. And, F- and Asmodee's organized play was run by an old Magic the Gathering guy who ran their organized play for a bit and knew what he was doing as far as running events. Like, I remember having all of those conversations. Yeah, but like... If we like move forwards to now, because they moved all of FFG OP became Asmodee employees. They moved across the parking lot, and like the position we're in now is like why? Why did any of that happen then? Like, have they taken that knowledge and now feel like it's banked somewhere? Like, that's my my big fear is that not only did you remove that knowledge from FFG, you've now jettisoned it from Asmodee. And that is Neva unit has that knowledge now. This is a good example of a brain drain of a business doing something. I'm not going to say stupid, but something for whatever reasons they did it for that causes because it's about people, you know, organized play, community building. All of that is about the people. It's not about if you didn't have Wade, you didn't have, you know, all the people that you had from 2013, even 2012 forward. 2013, I can say, because that's when I got to know these people, you know, and beyond, you lose a lot of that knowledge. Now, not everybody was still there, you know. Uh, There there were people that moved on, but you had the people that were there. Now they're not there, you know, and Chris is right. Is this banked for the future or is it lost? So I said this to Wade when he left and I messaged Jimmy and Matt as well. And um, I... They should be proud of the work that they did because I firmly believe that what they managed to achieve with specifically X-Wing, but basically FFG Worlds and where they took that was industry leading. And I firmly believe that they changed the shape of the industry with what FFG were doing in 2015, 2016. Agreed. Games Workshop changed their entire model. Based That's it. Fog, Fog Games Workshop to react and release a game like um, Warhammer Eighth Underworlds. No, like, un, like, Underworlds is designed to be a game fully supported of organized play that is a tournament game. That was never anything that Games Workshop... Games Workshop was a miniatures company who made rules for their toys. Yes, miniatures company, the, not a games company. Yeah, the, the impact of what FFG were doing... I, I would put and firmly believe that that shaped the industry. Well, and for the and that's something time, to be proud of, Baltimore. Yeah, absolutely. For the longest time, they were the top-selling miniatures game. X Men was the top. They took a juggernaut in Games Workshop that had been around for the eighties. And... So we definitely had this conversation before, and it would be remiss of me to not point out again that you are correct. 
the X-Wing car set outsold any other miniatures game car set. That's what that that statistic was. I know. Car sets. I know that. And that is like, there's a difference between buying a $190 Indominus box and a $26 X-Wing car set that you, that you can pick up in Walmart. My I'm point. not saying those numbers are wrong, and I'm not saying that they should not be proud of holding that number one spot for as long as they did. But remember that statistics are there to be massaged. They are, and I'm not disagreeing. And you're right. I mean, again, yeah. I, I did want to. I would have touched on it myself had you not brought it up. But I also <laughs> would, because of what I said about the the stuff I'm going to say on tonight's show. I have to approach it. For, I'm going to get be as truthful and honest about everything as I can. And I honestly believe that they were world leaders and industry leaders in the field. And they did hold the number one spot for best-selling car set for, I believe it was two, if not three Christmases in a row. Correct. But it is only car set. Like Games Workshop that. sales would have still been higher than X-Wing sales. And I get that. The point, the point that I was trying to arrive yeah. at, though, is you took a games company like Games Workshop, who is a juggernaut in the field, for miniatures game you took a company for them to go and look at themselves and say if we don't do something different we're going to lose because we are losing our audience to people who want a fair balanced updated game and they changed their entire model games workshop changed their entire they took the entire game from seventh edition and shit hand the whole thing and redesigned a new game from the ground up that included yearly updates to points. Games Workshop never did that. It's your codex is your codex. It gets updated once every eight years. If you don't like it, go play a different army. We'll sell it to you. You'll be more than happy to go play Space Marines. Everyone plays Space Marines. But like legitimately, like they took a company that took a, a business model of we're going to make really cool armies. And Games Workshop models are the top of the line as far as how cool their models are. But they never cared about the competitive community. They never cared about rules. They never cared about points. They never cared about any of that. And you took a company like that and went, holy crap, look what they're doing. And look how popular this game is. You caused a company to shift their entire balance over because of what FFG was doing. It's the reason why I shifted. I'm not going to lie. The reason why I started playing X-Wing in 2014 is because I had gotten tired of Games Workshop's bullshit. I had gotten tired of them releasing broken games and broken mechanics and brokenness and not caring at all about the community. They would release FAQs that were just mostly mechanical, like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of supposed to work this way. Didn't care how it impacted the game. Didn't care about a competitive community. Didn't care about anything. It was just, hey, look at this cool model. It was it was the J.J. Abrams uh, directorial, hey, look at this special box over here. Look at this special box over here. And like just directing your focus into a different direction. You took a company like Games Workshop to go, holy crap, we need to change what we're doing or we're going to lose. And they shift and they've done a really good job. I mean, I know because I'm on the Games Workshop um, train right now, I'm not going to lie, but I legitimately believe the 8th edition and 9th edition have been the best edition that they have done because they've been focused on They've been focused on what games about. And that's something that Fantasy Flight Games started. They started that. And they started that with that with their community, with organized play, and with caring about their community. And that's something that they should genuinely be proud of. Now, does Comic Games absorb that from what they're taking from FFG? I don't know. And I think that's kind of like, that. that's that trepidation that you get with this type of shift like that. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to absorb all of that knowledge or all of the things that made them a leader, that made them shift an entire industry of games and continue that or go with the business model that they currently have, which is games are fun, let's play games, which is great, and that's fine. 
but that opens the door for what happened with Games Workshop is that if the game company that manufactures this isn't going to care about organized play, we are as a community. And I, I know you don't want to call out names. I'm going to call it at least a couple of specific names um, of individuals that I feel that if that is the direction, saying this is an if because we genuinely don't know. We don't know Jack right now. But if that is the direction that Atomic Games decides to go, there are leaders in this community who can pick up that mantle and run with it and say, we got really, really quick. I want to make two quick points before we move on to anything else. You know, everybody knows Wade and everybody knows Jimmy Lee, you know, and everybody knows Alex Frank because that's the Frank Brooks to you, sir. Correct. But <laughs> the people I, I really want to talk about three people, Ian Birdsall, Stuart, and I cannot remember his last name for the life of me. And I'm sorry, Stuart. Um, Hold off. What's it? No, no, no. Stuart. Steve. No. Um, Steve Horvath is the, now yeah. the, Asmodee North American president, which I won't talk about him, but, <laughs> but the other one is Brendan Weisscott. And those are the three that actually built the base of organized play. They're the ones who in 2012, 2013 put X-Wing on the organized play map. They're the ones who did the cool dice, you know, the original regional dice. They're the ones who, who started did, off a world tournament at yeah. their location, you know, and, and what's, what's, What's crazy about it is, is that those guys are probably lost, you know, to the years, you know. Good thing is, is that I worked with them. I worked with all of them, got to know them, the great people. And I just want to make sure that their legacy is part of this, too, because their legacy is what allowed Wade to be Wade and allowed Jimmy to be Jimmy and Matt to be Matt and all of that. It is literally because of those three guys who started it out. And for some reason, I think there was a fourth, but I don't think I ever met him. But, you know, you, you can't say enough about that. The second thing I want to approach on is over time, fantasy flights, organized play changed also. And I'm talking about when we first started all of this in 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, you had the cool acrylic stuff in the in the weekly or monthly league. You know, it was the quarterly kits that they were putting out. They were uh, game night kits, I believe, is what they were called or something like that. That sounds about right. Yeah, and they came in, you know, Manila envelopes, and it was just you got all kinds of stuff. Stores would buy three or four of them to support. That's where you got the dark blue uh, shield tokens. The you know, so on. I found out hand packed. By yep. waving the guys in the warehouse. Yeah. And then over time, it got so big that they had to hire summer help, you know, or, or temporary help to actually pack those. But yeah, they were all hand packed. The thing is, is that over time, Fantasy Flight went from all of that cool stuff, and a lot of it's because they ran out of stuff to make in acrylic, to where you got just card packs. You know, it was the medals. I've got a whole backpack here for all. Do you remember the medals? The medals, yeah. The coins, the challenge coins, the medals, and all those things. But at the end of the day, what Chris, how what was the last couple years? It was just the 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 card packs. So it went back. Like this is a relatively new one, but it has like still has tokens and stuff in it. It's one of the things I plan on sending out to Patreon people. But um, yeah, it's. They did, it changed again and again, and we never really settled on anything, but it was closer to being back what it was than anything else, if that makes sense. Yeah. I have, uh, you, for those of you who can't see, obviously this is all audio, I have a near complete, I have one medal that I'm missing, a near complete set of the medals that they used to give out for winning these. I remember someone doing a cosplay of like having all the medals on their chest that they had won through all these events. These were awesome. Yeah, it's the medals... 
you know, and that's the thing that that's that is what the organized play team brought to X Wing, along with community. You know, it was prizes that were outrageously valued. You know, it, in fact, I sold all of my acrylic to go to just to pay for 2015 Worlds, so the all of us could hang out because I, I had it all. First edition uh, Target locks off of um, Chris. I still wish I could have bought those. <laughs> <laughs> well, play ball. I'm going to do I sent you the Imperial Assault dice, didn't I, Sean? Yes, you did. Good. good. I sent those to Chad, too. Yeah. I'm a good guy like that. Because you are. And I have my, and I'll, you know, Richard Sue sent me my last missing set so I can rebuild my 2014 regional uh, clear acrylic dice that roll like shit and I still play with them. (laughs) So I think I was going to sell them, but I might give them away on the show. I was going to do my, um, the black, the the gray region, the graphite regional dice or whatever it was the last set so that's the only ones i kept and i'm like i might as well i might just go back to generic reds and greens i don't i don't like when i'm making videos or showing anything i don't like using those ones because i i'm not trying to show off and like the the harder to pick up on the camera and stuff so i'm like yeah maybe i'll just get rid of them but yeah i might give those away at christmas as well lots of giveaways for christmas this year i think yeah, it'd be cool. I did all that. <laughs> yeah. So right. I think we were going to go on to yeah. Um, yeah. community-driven organized play. Right. Okay. Which, so like we've touched on this multiple times in the past. Like my background uh, being like Warhammer in the UK and like Adepticon and Gen Con. I suppose Warhammer in the UK is slightly different because we did used to get one tournament a year. You used to get. Um, yeah, the Warhammer World one. Um, but that was it. Everything else is all gaming clubs. Official Games Workshop tournament. Yeah, I've, I have. I don't have it here. It's in the in the bathroom. I have my best Orc and Goblin General from the Throne of Schools. Uh, life mine is to be able to play at the store, have beer at Bugman's Bar. That, 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 that is a life goal of mine. It's easy uh, for you in the UK. I'm not from the UK. I had... I ate the fat block when Phil Kelly still was the editor of White Dwarf. I had my giant giant burger with onion rings and all the good stuff. It was good. Life, it's it's like the the grilled cheese, the the FFG grilled cheese. You, you gotta. Have- you you had your opportunity and you chose to not go. I know, because damn it, you know we had sights to see and you know yeah, for, Warhammer World. Yeah, for my for some reason, my wife was not interested in going to Warhammer World. That's so. Great. I mean, ultimately what happened is like, you get to pick a place, she gets to pick a place, and you didn't put Warhammer World for close enough to right. the top. So in my defense, that was a surprise for my birthday. I did get to go to Loch Ness. I got to go to Loch Ness. I watched Solo in a Scottish um, uh, theater the weekend that it opened up. So I got to do that. I got to kiss a Blarney Stone. I think that makes me officially Irish, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> So I got to do a whole, I'm not going to, that was a great trip. I love that trip. It was so much fun. I'm not going to, but you're right. I have two regrets from that trip. One, Liverpool was playing in the, what is the game that gets them out of the Champions League and into um, Premier League? It would have been the UEFA Cup, I think, when you were there. So the day that I was there, the day that we landed in, um, the day that we landed in Dublin, 
Um, that game was happening in Liverpool. I was told that all I had to do was hop in a favor from Liverpool to, or from Dublin to go over to Liverpool. I could have been in a in a pub in Liverpool to watch the game. I knew I wasn't going to get into the game, but I wanted to at least have that experience. I ended up having it in a Scottish pub, but that's still fine because I still got to watch the game and have a Guinness in a, in a Scottish pub and watch and watch Liverpool. I wanted to see that. And the second thing, of course, I would have loved to have been to, to Warhammer. I would have loved because they're in Nottingham. Come on, it's Nottingham, England. Robin Hood, you can go into the little thing there. Like, uh, it, he would only be disappointed if you drive past Sherwood Forest. I know, I know, I know. I've seen pictures, I know, but they're like from someone. Uh, well, the world is super impressive. Nottingham is not. Yeah, that's fine. I I don't know that everything I would have said, like I spent the night on a sheep farm in Scotland. Do I necessarily consider that impressive? No, but good God, was it beautiful there. But like... Yeah, like the community event stuff, I feel like, I think I said this in the text, you know, when we were chatting on Facebook or whatever the messenger thing we are using is, um, I think Dion should just step up and do Thank it. Like, swoop right. now. Let's just all right, so let's Gold do Squadron Classic, get it made. Like, so what, where I was going to go with that particular direction, I wanted to point Dion in the direction of another friend of mine, someone that I know personally, uh, Reese Robbins, who currently runs Frontline Gaming and is in charge of the ITC. Those guys saw a need for competitive play in Warhammer 40k and filled it. They developed a rule set in their own FAQ system, in their own missions, and they were the ones responsible for running events, not just in the US. We're not just talking the LVO. We're not just talking the Southern, uh, SoCal Open. We're talking there were events around the world that used their rule set, that used their missions, that used their points, that used all the stuff that they developed. They even hosted and kept a site that allowed you to keep your score on the ITC to see who the top players in the world were. They saw a need that says the or the company that we're playing with right now doesn't support organized play, doesn't support tournaments, doesn't support competitive play, and we can fill it. And you're right. I think if anybody... Uh, that my, I... my point is, uh, it, it, I'm not even talking about that doomsday scenario where there is no support. I'm talking about who, who would you trust more to run a Premier X-Wing event tomorrow if you were told that FFG can't do it? I, I I would be more willing to trust an event run by Dion right now than I would by anything that Atomic Mass would put on. And that's a shit state of affairs to be in, but it's the truth. And it's absolutely like, true. if you get it get it done before it's it's uh, possible for them to shut you down. Well, because and so this is kind of skipping to the end of the story. But so the reason why I'm saying and. I don't know if Dean's ever going to hear this. I hope he does. I hope he takes a good hard listen and takes a good look. I know that things have been rough right now, especially with COVID and not being able to go to events and not being able to do what Gold Squadron has really become known for, which is going to those live events and doing the live stream. All that shit's going to come. It's all going to come back. But what you can do at this moment is take the lead and run with it. Because what ended up happening with Reese and the guys from Frontline Gaming and Mike Grant and the guys at uh, uh, Nova Open, what they ended up doing they all work for the game company. The missions that are in the grand tournament pack for 2020, ITC team helped write them. Not all, not everything, not not all of it, but a lot of it went through them for testing. Mike Brandt is in charge of their organized play as far as writing missions and stuff like that. He, all of these guys, these guys that started these little events that started on Nova Open, started on picnic tables in a, in a field one day, and now it's one of the biggest gaming events in the world. The ITC events, the LVO and the SoCal Open are some of the biggest gaming competitive events in the world right now. That's how those guys got started. Now is the time to jump on that while you can. Be able to be that leader in the community and be able to say, we've got this. Here's what we're going to do. And trust me, there is going to be a huge vacuum if this 
goes south, there's going to be a huge vacuum of players who play this game for the competitive level of events. They're going to bring people with them. They're going to come to your events. You can hold one in Chicago, hold one in you know Philadelphia, hold some of those bigger events and just go and start that now. Yeah, I think the window of opportunity for this is small, to be honest I agree. with you. I completely it's a, a tightrope. So you have to walk the COVID side of it as well. But like, I have, I have no fears for me being able to play X-Wing competitively to the level I currently play competitive X-Wing at because I'm the one who organizes it. And if I can't organize it with an FFG kit, I work at a store that I'm lucky enough or... I mean, fuck yeah! I could do it through Dice Hate. I can, I can sponsor an event in myself, right? And yeah, it's the Alberta Classic or whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean? It's irrelevant, but I, I can run that event and get the turnout. It's going to be the same as our regionals, which was the, the biggest tournaments we had in Alberta anyway. So I, my life won't really change. And I'm privileged to be able to say that. And but I. I can get cards designed, I can get acrylics made, I can do all of that stuff, I can give out prizes, I can host a good event and people come and they'll have fun. Well, that but... kind of gets into that second tier stuff that I wanted to talk about, because like, if we get into those competitive guys, half the reason why they were there, we all know the reasons why most of those guys were there, aside from the prestige, and I think that's, like, God, I have two points I want to touch on. So let's touch on, I want to touch on the prestige part of this first one. I think that, unfortunately, unless Atomic Games does something similar to how FFG did, there was some level of prestige to being crowned the world champion by the developers of the game i don't think uh, i don't think that that can be taken away like games workshop doesn't do that like i mean i agree but i there's also more to it than that because like the the divide you used to get because of like having regionals in the uk which were bigger than nationals in america Mm -hmm. having more players like it's quite evident which tournament should hold more prestige, the 300-player tournament or the 120-player tournament. I know, but can you name the 2018... But, like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I, it was probably Ollie, so yeah. But uh, Yeah, you're, it's a fair, that's fair. I believe yeah. Ollie won it with Fang Fighters. I can't I can't be sure, though. Look at that. I tried I tried pulling one over on Chris and he couldn't. My point being is, like, there... To, in, no, to that me, might have been the system open, though. No, I can't remember. Like, to me... Every world, I have watched every world's live, whether I was there in person to watch it or whether it was being streamed by Gold Squadron, just throwing that out there, um, or if when FFG was doing it, I watched those games oh, live. It was give Aaron some game. credit, man. I will give her, and I, I meant to do that. That's why I paused. My point being, though, like, I remember being excited. I remember sitting in the Nova Squadron Radio uh, Facebook group while Paul was winning his third and we were all messaging each other during the game. What move did Paul make? Watch it. Like, I remember that. Like, that gigantic move with the, is the is the Falcon going to make it? And you had to get Alex in there to actually do the measurement. Like, I remember all of that. I remember, I, I just watched this. I just watched this the other day because it came up in conversation with my son whenever, um, oh, who was the 17-year-old kid? Why can't I remember his name off the top of my head? Nathan Ivey. They, no, not Nathan Ivey. Uh, don't get yeah. me wrong. Nathan's good. Nathan's good. Um, uh, like Rasta was his dad. What was the guy? Simeon. Simeon, thank you. Whenever Simeon won it, like, I wanted to cry whenever he won it. Like, to see his dad so excited to watch him to be able to, like, embrace his dad, him. His who was the, the reigning European champion at the time. Yes. Yeah. Like, those are the events that, like, I remember about X. We talked about this, I think, in the last episode. Like, do you remember the game that you played or what list you played? No. Do you remember the events? 
that those events like that are the stuff that like I remember watching Dallas um Dallas um Parker lose okay. to Paul. I remember watching Paul win his third in the gigantic group chat. I remember watching Simeon win that being so excited for him and how proud his dad was. Like those are the events that I remember whenever the guy from Singapore won the, the intermedium one, it was the first Just genuinely in. yeah, genuinely made worlds an international event. Every world champion that came through there, Nand, whatever Nand won it. I remember interviewing him on the show directly after that happened. Like I remember all of that because it there was some level of prestige to being the X Wing world champion. Is that and that's the one thing that I'm afraid that we're going to lose. Not that we couldn't do, not that Gold Squadron couldn't do a Chicago Open and have a big event there, and they you know, they do a championship belt like they did at the LVO one year, like they did something like something that could they do that absolutely. And I think that would still be. There's just something that is missing, some little bit of some little bit of spice and flavor that's missing. Okay, that. deep deep down, Ed, I have a cunning plan that in a year's time. I'm going to see if I can book the event space in the FFG Game Center and host X-Wing World Championships there. <laughs> you could. I bet I you know. could. It'll be, it'll, be, it'll be open then, and they got a lot of space. Well, I think that that's, that's where this really... This is where, if you do this, so whoever picks up the mantle and does this, if it's done... Dion. Dion. Yeah, I mean, hopefully I it, it is. In the community who's done it, I mean, it's unfair to put any undue weight on Dion. Well, um, Ryan and D ran help run the LVO. Um, yeah, and and Minoc happened. That's why they changed from Minoc to Fly Better, was so that they could be involved in running official events. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Chris Owens ran five crate cups now or whatever. I mean, the last one was only three people because COVID was announced See, the, the day. Thing, the thing is, being be a person who is in that position myself, I know what it's like. But there, there's one side of it that gets really difficult, and that's the money to put up front to be able to get the arena you're going to play in, to be able to get the prizes up front, and you're, you're the risk. You know, you're balancing complete financial risk against participation. You know, will this have that flair like Ed talks about to bring in the community because it's not fantasy flight? Now, I think it will. Truthfully, I think it will because. If the gamers that are the heavy hitters in X-Wing haven't moved on yet, they're going to be back. If they haven't moved on during COVID, they would be brought back in. It's just that there's a piece of this that comes with running events, and that's the upfront cost that you have to pay to be able to get people to play. So you know? I don't. Hopefully, I'm not talking out of school here. I'm, I'm, hopefully, Chris doesn't mind. But I know that effectively. Chris Allen loses a thousand dollars a year to run breakup at the like the, the level that he runs it at, at the moment because it, that's just how much it costs. Like spread over a year of ordering cards and doing different things, and like, obviously the store soaks some of that cost up and everything like that, and he might recoup some of it's a rip roaring success. But like yeah, it's something where you've got to have the, that dedication and will to want to do it i'm lucky that none of it will come out of my pocket if i run stuff in alberta i'm also unlucky in the fact that alberta's a pain in the ass to fly into flying to canada's stupendously expensive so it's never going to be a big event like the will is there i just don't have the means to be able to do it i'll i'll endeavor to make sure that people who want to come and play have somewhere to play and big event or as big an event as I can make to come to. Right. But, but that's kind of where I'm, that's kind of where I'm getting in with the community side of it. 
Like so let's so let's just say we took the names that we just said. Ryan Farmer, we took Dio and we took Chris Allen, and those guys formed, I don't know, the XTC, the X uh, the X Wing competitive uh, competitive community, X Wing tournament community, whatever it is. Whatever the X Wing tournament Illuminati. Yeah. Take the name guys. If those three guys all got together and said, Look, we're we're going to take them. And it's not just one of us. It's the three of us. We're going to kind of get this started. We're going to get some like a ground through. Like I, I, I always go back to the story because it was a great story that Mike Brant and I conversation that Mike Brant and I have, like for him to get to where he is now did not happen overnight. The first Nova open, the first three Nova opens weren't in this gigantic hotel where they rented out the entire space for an entire weekend over Memorial day weekend. Like that did not happen overnight. The first Nova open was in a park. On, on on picnic on picnic table. The second one got a little bit bigger. It started gaining traction. Reese and the guys out at the LVO, like they didn't start off hosting an event in Vegas. They started hosting small events in their own store, and it just got bigger and bigger. That is what I'm talking about. Like it takes those that dedication and that will and drive to be like, I can do this. And that's all they've done is slowly but surely just built up to bigger and bigger and bigger events each year. Because they're doing it right and they're doing it the right way. And they have that will and drive to continue to do it. They love the game. They love what they're doing. And they want to be there to provide that for the community. One thing, though, I will talk about those compared to a singular event is that those aren't singular events. Nova Open has multiple game systems going, multiple things that draw more than just a singular community. This This is where you would have to have the Armada community involved, the, you know, all of the miniature communities would have to be involved. Mm-hmm. X-Wing, Armada, um, Legion, even bring back IA as, as part of it. Because no, you... I, don't, I don't think I will, Sean. <laughs> no. I mean, Imperial Assault went from being my favorite game to just, nah, it can die in a fire. <laughs> done. done. But they can expand out, too. Like, they could bring in help from the reach out to guys like Reese and be like, look, we want to host a big ITC GW event. I don't know shit about GW. Can you send me some assistance? I I don't even think like putting the cart before the horse kind of thing there. I've just having, having the will to want to step up and be, be that person is more important at the moment. If you like, I honestly think that that, uh, that opportunity will be there, that it won't matter what uh, AMG do, if you get in there and position yourself correctly right now, and and this is why I said Gold Squadron, because him and Ryan are just off the back of doing the the Not Worlds tabletop simulator worlds thing or whatever it is they did. They just did Coruscant and had all of that. Turns out we were right. Nantex was still good. You know, let's pat ourselves on the back for not being utter idiots, you know. But... <laughs> um, all right, on the hot on the back of that, putting plans in place to continue running your own events just makes sense. And Agreed. there's nothing anyone can do to stop you, like running tournaments and stuff. There's more chance of being shut down for streaming tabletop simulator games than there is for like streaming on the table. Like, so there was blowback because I believe they called it Worlds, and it was supposed to be a tongue-in-cheek thing in that each tournament was named after a world. So yeah, it wasn't worlds, it was worlds. Yeah, and they got blowback from it, so they changed the name. I can't remember what they changed it to, but like, no, fuck it, come out and say, I'm running the X-Wing World Championship. I fucking challenge you to tell me this isn't it. Because as of right what, now... But who's going to do it? Because 
the only way you can do it is for Atomic Master to then step up to play and say, well, actually, we've planned our worlds for this time, and that's good news all around. Exactly. So, so. The, the key to this, though, is that there's going to have to be a participation from Atomic Mass or from somebody who errates the game. So that, that I... does have to happen for the game to stay viable, because if you have ships that are put out there that are too big, too good, or whatever you want to look at it, that overtake the game, you kind of lose, just like IA, you know, Imperial Assault did the same thing. So Atomic Mass just announced a new round of playtesters have been approved. That was apparently from a batch back in September. So I would have to assume that that is all Crisis Protocol playtesting. The question you need to, or Atomic Mass needs to be asked would be, like, are they going to tap for resources that they already have? Yeah, that were like, already in the playtesting um, program for FFG. Like, I've spent my playtester credits on Crisis Protocol stuff because it's all in the Asmodee store. It's all Asmodee money. Mm-hmm. So I were it up to me, I would host it on, I, I would port the, the groups over, but I have no idea what's going to happen. But I think it would be a safe assumption to make that FFG was proactively playtesting stuff even through COVID, because they changed the points of Nantex. So you either think that they trusted six tournaments worth of data or that they did internal playtesting, whether that was using playtesters or just themselves. Well, so I think the the last point I want to touch on, is like we're kind of like dancing around the same subject, is one of the things obviously that FFG had committed to was those update points. Do we see those yeah. anymore? Maybe? I don't know. Again, well, we'll find out next week, won't we? Because we either get points for the Tri Fighter and the V Wing, or we don't, and you can't use those ships. Well, and I think because none of the ship, well, but that's what I mean. None of the ships come with points written on the card. Well, we so go, they, they we have go to. back to your original point, though. We origin your a point you made earlier is that all of that work that Alex and the team that did that's the outgoing team that's done that that's not going away. That that that's already done. That document is written, and you know that that's written. The question becomes: Is year from two? What's years the balancing years. mechanism? Is there still going to be a balancing mechanism? Right. That's what I'm getting. Atomic at. mass. But here's here's the question, or here's the point I'm going to make. It all depends to me if it's a casual game or if it's a competitive game to them. If it's a casual game to them, then you just put points out and that's the end of the game. You know, you say this ship, this upgrade's worth X, Y, Z, you're done. Then it's up to the community to have to put something together to start looking at the tournaments and the competitive side and make their own physical changes to it and then get that out to the masses. I think that I'm currently of the opinion that I don't think much will change in the process at the moment. The um, the goal and what that process is driven towards may change. Like Whoever takes over might be of the opinion that Nantex should be stronger and they go down in points because the philosophy is that Nantex should rule all. Right, our aces can all die in a fire. But like the, like, so those core philosophies of what balance is might change. But the processes, I I can only believe that they would stay the same because they play test and proactively change stuff in um, in crisis protocol. So for that to not continue, so like they have a so I don't know a ton an about effective that bandwidth, I think for 
by AMG now. You see, that would be different. Yeah, but uh, you know, so they proactively approach the game with balance in mind. Can I ask so a question I, though, real quick? Yeah. How are they doing that? Like, what is their method of balancing? Because oh, they, exactly what I, I want to I'm do. not. I am not a player tester for AMG, so I do not know. But I know that they announced that the people who applied for player testing should have had an answer this week because the emails were sent out. If you didn't hear from the email, please apply on the next batch. So they have external player testers, which given that it's an Asmodee company, I can only assume what functions in a similar way to what I would be accustomed with for anyone who's looked in the back of certain products that you go you go through and then you get paid star credit. So no, I understand that piece, but it's yeah. This, we, we were we don't know how they go through the balancing system the, for the depth, you know FFG. Uh, had, so uh, even if I did know, I couldn't talk about it. Right, but my well, my point is though is that there's no. That, so theoretically, I can't I can't talk about the stuff to compare it to. So there's nothing I can say on this topic. Okay, so I think I think you're missing you're you're missing the point of my question. I'm not asking about how playtesters come up with it. I think my the question that I have is I've never played Crisis Protocol before, so I don't know if they have points. I don't know. Do yeah, they, but it's a miniatures like, game. They've, they've got points and abilities and do they adjust yeah. those and how often does that happen? And I assume that is for game balance purposes. Uh, do they have a restriction? The, ga the game's only just a year old, Ed, so we've got no idea. So well, that's I mean yeah. that's my point. I mean yeah. Well, ultimately, you know, within six months when X-Wing released, we had a type of errata already. It wasn't points adjustment because they never adjusted points. They didn't change cards. They errata things in the beginning yeah. and clarified. It was more of a clarification than an errata. And then as the game developed in 1.0, it was errata way too freaking much to the point where they started to just beat the game up. So My, if you go onto the Atomic Mass website, there is a rules section, and then there's an FAQ and a rata up there, um, which if we have a look at that, I'll be able to tell you. Um, so it's only four pages at the moment. Um, the Yeah, it looks like it's all solid, like just question and answer kind of stuff. And then... Adjustment of points. So what that, what that makes, and again, I, I'm not naysaying, sky's not falling, nothing like that. That reminds me of GW circa 2010, where a book would come out and three, four months later, an FAQ would come out and then that'd be it. Uh, then they have a ban and restricted list, uh, which um, there is one tactics card that is banned and then the restricted is got five cards on it. Okay, so, the, so they're... And again, this is based on a completely different miniatures game with a completely different game again. But yeah. in a current game that they have, they have a banned and restricted which personally, we have talked about this before. And I know I keep pulling the Magic the Gathering thing, but like I could totally see like, oh yeah, Crackshot's good. One per one per list. Nantex, they're awesome. They're restricted. One per list. Like I could, yeah. I could see that as a balancing factor. I genuinely could. I still think the points adjustments have to happen. I still think that there are cards that get printed that they say this card is 24 points and nobody ever touches it. And it really was an 18 point card, but they printed it at 24. And once they lower those point values, they start seeing more play. I mean, that was the, that was the thing that FFG did so well was they were so like, they made my, some of them were major tools. I'm thinking like Leia, for example, like the points cost of the variance that went off of for that. But some of them just like, Oh, we're going to add a point here and add a point there. Like they see those little points adjustments that takes, 
a watchful eye over the competitive community to know where those come in. Because again, as we've talked about before, the 85% of the people who are the casual players don't care. Don't care. The only places that that affects anything at all in any way, shape, or form is the competitive community. And if you're a casual player, you're just going to use the impact build list anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're, who, who cares? Like, if that, genuinely, at that juncture, you're not going to care. So, like, the only audience that that entire thing, the FAQs, the points adjustments that come out, the only people that that is targeted to in any way, shape, or form are the semi-competitive to competitive players. That's it. That's the only audience. And FFG put a lot of time and effort in. A lot of teams went into coming up with. So, do you, do you know did, did Crisis Protocol have any tournaments prior to COVID that mm. you know of? Um, not that I know of personally, but again, I I wasn't looking. Um, I so there wasn't a they, the kit arrived. And I want to say I could have probably fitted it in, but I was more concerned with right slow. Soil burn building up the player base because it's still a relatively young game. But I feel like I've only managed to do like three or four game nights for it overall since release. So yeah, it's it's a hard one. I I feel like it's really unfair to to judge a lot of these questions because and I I was just it's a game's come like they've probably been experiencing COVID. Like Crisis Protocol has probably been let's have a must have a release date. Um. Probably half the company's existence has been under COVID. Yeah, like the game might, must have been out for like maybe more time under COVID than <laughs> than it has not. Yeah, and I think what Sean's trying to get is, is is a fair point. It's unfair to judge one game this company makes. Say, oh, this is how they handle their points balance. This is what well, we can ultimately the point. Yeah, the, the point I'm trying to make is this is what the community is asking. These are the things yeah, that the community yeah, yeah. fears. These are the things that these are, the these are the unknowns that the community, whether they've thought of the questions or not, these are the questions that the community is going to want to know the answers to. And then that will set in motion the next steps that happen. You know, once, once you're out of, to answer this question. once you're out of COVID, once yeah. you're out of COVID, we have to see where this ends up, you know, because we know, well, well, here's my question. So, is there still store championships coming out of COVID? Is there still regionals coming out? You know, that's the question. I'm sure many people are going to ask is, does those First things. I want them to go back to that. Like I always thought this weird system open thing, like I, it just never made sense to me whenever they made that shift over an organized play. The system open I is just love... a, a way to give more people a big tournament. And I get it. It was I never totally... supposed to be the same thing. I totally get it. But the, again, and this is me, you know, Spraying the kids get off my lawn. I totally understand that. I'm 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 so I'm self aware I, enough to get that. But I loved the X Wing season. You went in, it, you know, right so, after Worlds, it was store championship, and then it went into region, and then it went into nationals, and you're building up to Worlds in October, and then oh, store championships is three weeks from now. Like we 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 got to get going. Like there was so much excitement built around that for that. Like, is this the direction they're going to go for OP? I don't know. So crisis protocol. I think, I, think they, I posted a, a picture on Instagram on the 4th of November last year, saying how excited I was to get an early look at this first offering from Atomic Mass Transmissions, Marvel Crisis Protocol Miniatures. So I had the demo set that I was painting, and that was the 4th of November last year. So, so you're right. assuming the game, it's probably a year and a week old. So yeah. November, December, January, February, March, four months of the game were pre-COVID times out of a year it's been out. So... Like, 
Yeah, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw this, and I'm gonna, this is the devil's advocate piece of me for tonight. Remember, X-wing released, <laughs> X-wing released in August, September, October, whatever it was, and we had worlds in November in 2012. So did we though? We did. So given you know what worlds was in 2019, given you know what worlds was in 2015. Was that a world? In in essence, yes. In a in a brand new uh, game, was not, it not was it a, was that FFG worlds or was that X Wing worlds? That was an X Wing worlds. That was X Wing. That was X Wing at, at FFG. It, it, it was FFG hosting the FFG worlds, of which X Wing was a minute part of. Doug Kenny still had his name so on I, the banner. I'm just saying. have you have you hosted a bigger star kit tournament than you have? that world championships oh my god yeah. no, no this oh. is not in any way to take away from doug kenny for realizing that tie fighters were fucking awesome and darth vader and initiative nine in wave one, PS9 wave was one. oh yeah. god what, that's what i wanted whenever second edition came out i wanted a wave one world how so, awesome would that have been to play in those air that era it, so oh. it's the same thing i i see a lot on um this is probably going to be lost on each, but the League of Legends first, well, first League of Legends World Championship was 2012. It wasn't. It was a year later. Uh, uh, the first Worlds, which Fnatic win, wasn't really a Worlds because you didn't have any of the Korean teams there. It was like eight team invite only tournament that was just fucking garbage. And then when you had all of the real teams the next year, that's the first Worlds. But Fnatic still won, so you know you they still get to say that they were world champions, but everyone knows the truth. Because was it 36 players that tournament, Sean? 43. Uh, 43. 43, yeah. And then the next Worlds was 118. Yeah. Then the next Worlds was two, it was less than 240. Let's see, it was 128, 128. It was like two, two, let's see. Yeah, yeah, I think they they could have accommodated 260, couldn't they? But they didn't sell out. They didn't sell out day two. Day yeah. two had a lot of repeats from day one. That's where I stepped in and actually just started pulling people yeah. in to play in day two that, you know, yeah. to Got get people in. Yeah. And it really kicked in hard and heavy in 15. Yeah. Sure did. That That's was, what I mean. That like, world. But, but I get what you're saying, Chris. I totally yeah. understand what you're saying. What I'm saying, though, is they had a brand new game and they tried to do a, an event. Well, yeah, but what I... I the reason why I'm stressing that point, Sean, is because FFG were hosting uh, that was Netrunner Worlds that also had Call of Cthulhu, um, X Wing, um, whatever games were around at that time. First edition Game of Thrones, was that first edition, um, Star Wars card game? Um, that so that it, like, it was a card game world that had X Wing at it because they were hosting the event anyway, so why not? Right. Whereas in for for you to say that Atomic Mass could have done the same thing when the company's probably only an extra year old on top of that, and the one game was Crisis Protocol. My whole so point. I, I think that's it, a very unfair comparison. Well, but it's I'm not trying to compare it. I'm just trying to yeah. compare. Did they ever have an event of any type? Yeah. In yeah. that in that four month window. Uh, so they released two kits in that window. There was a launch kit, and then there was a second one, which. I'd have to go upstairs and look to yeah, let you know exactly what it is. But they didn't, they themselves didn't support any of that other than sending stuff to the stores. Yeah. Where Which again, I believe, was handled by Asmodee OP. Which would make still, sense. 
Are they still based out of Minnesota? Like, are they still in that same area? I know no, you're I heard heard that they were there in Seattle now. I believe yeah. that they were, that's what, but that's I'm where, mistaken. That's, so that's where the Seattle joke came from. Okay, got it. Yeah, that I knew that when they first started um, because, oddly enough, I heard a rumor, which I never believed in, you know, it's a rumor, so you don't bring it up, but that they were transitioning things because Asmodee made this studio for this purpose to get a mini studio up and running. I started to believe it when they shed off the books, you know, the Star Wars RPG. And then OP followed. Yeah, and yeah. then I really started believing it when Wade, but I, I'm not, you know me, I'm not a person who's just going to throw shit out there just to try to get a story from people. But it just seemed like uh, seemed like the writing was on the wall. And, and I think the writing was on the wall once Christian Peterson was done. I, and there's a reason I disagree why. with that in one regard, but I'll let you finish your point. Like, I can't finish it fully because it would be talking ill of a person that I don't want to bring up in public about this, but <laughs> there was always a person who never really truly liked the organized play side of Fantasy Flight. And I know that personally because I had conversations with him about it. But that's all the farther I can go with it here in a public mm -hmm. setting. Yeah, no. I so can talk I... to after like once i i was not surprised that christian peterson left because that was a shitload of money to be able to take and not necessarily have to yeah. do any work ever again the one where i became concerned that there was more to the merger than was implied was when navarro left after that because he stepped into his shoes and then i believe it was a year to 18 months later he left one yeah and that, that that to me was I, I had a, I only had maybe two or three real interactions with him, um, and I got the impression that he wanted to stamp his vision onto FFG. And the only reason I could have seen him leaving that job is that that was never going to be allowed to happen. Correct. I, I would that agree. is that is definitely me uh, making assumptions. None of this is confirmed. I, I'm not talking. Uh, out of confidence or anything like that. That's my assumptions given the situation as I read it. And, and for the knowledge that I have, I would agree with you on that. Oh. Yeah, I've, uh, well, this is going to end up after editing. This will be like a two-hour show, so we're probably at the point where we should start wrapping up. Yep, I, I agree. But uh, one, I only have one final point, and I, like I, said, I can say it real quick. I, know I started touching on it, but we kind of definitely veered off into a different direction, which is I think it was great. Um, half the reason why those guys are showing those competitive like they're showing up for the clerks they're showing up for the cards because it's money that's how they make that now are there folks in the community i've got stuff from greenman design that's exactly the same thing as an acrylic token or an acrylic um template set. not worth a damn thing to anybody else in the world but those regional ones those those were worth something oh you got the regional uh um what am i thinking uh movie still boba fett well, that was worth so, money that was worth a lot would of you i i can not put you down here but clarify for you so the event i went to in north carolina the craft whatever crate cup it was that chris ran on the second day on the sunday he ran a fun tournament which was effectively if you win five games in a row he gave a plastic moth card it wasn't even an old art card for it it was a card that said grand moth on it and had a picture of like trioculus lifted from the old comics and um, someone sold one of those on eBay for fifty US dollars, no like kidding. a week, the week after. So, do, yeah. does community no, stuff I, have value? 
So, but do you remember? I remember watching a game uh, after day one at World. We came back to the hotel. And there was a guy sitting down at a table at the hotel playing with the uh, World's Dice. Two cents. Because he oh, paid yeah. someone $300 cash money right there. So, so I can I can verify that that Aaron Bonner sold his. Yeah, we've told this story multiple times, but I'm not saying that official swag doesn't have value. Your your implication was that if it's not official, it wouldn't have value. A garbage card that you can't use for anything that Chris made as a joke sold for fifty dollars. So anecdote: if if you wanted one, I guarantee you could have messaged Chris and said, "Send me that image so I can print my own card," and he would have said, "Yeah." I, and I'm not I'm not going to discount that. I'm not saying that that's not right. What anecdote doesn't equal data, and the plural of anecdotes does not equal conclusion. No, I agree that there's the, one instance that you can pull. Sure. It took me right, so like I'm going to call some. I, I like Paul. So it, I'm, it's not so much that specific idea. card holding value. It's a case of if you run the events properly that people want to go to, and that the community places prestige upon those events. Right. That's what gives the value to it. Right. It doesn't matter well, whether it's stamped by FFG or like Paul LaRue cards. Paul still I'm, makes I, I, X-Wing I cards. Um, My point is that something that I'm not going to miss if it goes away. Because I genuinely felt that the I'm here for the plastic kind of thing always brought a disdain on top of competitive events. And while I always thought it was cool, and don't get me wrong, I still have oh, you, Well, you know my opinion on certain individuals who focus very highly on uh, on the swag to be able to sell it for the money mm-hmm. i i have no truck i mean it's different now i have sold prizes that i got to get money but i never i i struggled for a long time to assign any monetary value to them because it's more about the memories and the nostalgia for me of looking right. back of how i got totally them agree. but totally i agree that's why I think, as I said earlier, I think I would rather give away those dice on here than I would um, like sell them for whatever. Like, I have no idea how much they sell for, but well, like, it, makes you, it, it would have... make me wonder, like with some of those first, like the uh, first edition cards, if those are even worth anything anymore. I've still got them all, literally, like, sat so in the bathroom. Well, because if they don't, I'm missing a couple of cards I wouldn't mind picking up because, like, I still need Boba, uh, movie still Boba Fett. <laughs> To complete my movie skill set and and wedge and Tilly's. those are like the two that I'm missing. I've got a wedge. I've got like a wedge, fifty bucks. You know, I don't know. About maybe a hundred now. Maybe it's even rarer. A hundred bucks to you. Might, Mates, it right? Might be, it might be. But my Sean got me my my Did movie still later on. eBay? Did I pay a fortune for this card? I didn't pay Maybe. a dime for any one of my cards. I bought I a couple of ones. I think I bought. Oh. I, I still owe Sean a beer the next time I see him in person for the. The movie still Vader that I I got him that he got me. So there is some intrinsic value, but it was the it was the sweet fact that like Sean got one for me, which I thought was like that's why that card holds value. Not that it's well, and I think that that's what the first edition cards do. Like for me, I had a good majority of the first edition stills because of working with Fantasy Flight. So I got a lot of that. I never earned them. I never. Oh, I take it back. Boba Fett. I was there in thirteen playing. In 14, I got some cards, but I never really asked for the cards. I got some when I went up there for the regional in 14 also from Brendan and Dice. He gave me two sets of the dice. Um, So, like, my stuff came differently, you know, because of working, doing different things. So, for me, the only card that ever held value to me was Boba Fett because that's the card that I earned, we'll call it, because I played that year. 
Um, I don't 2015, I think, was the Darth Vader year, probably, because that's the one I got. Yeah. yeah. It is. Um, but I got like six or seven or eight of those because I asked either Stuart or Brendan, hey, my Nova Squadron guys aren't here. Can I get some extra cards? And lo and behold, easily I got extra cards, you know. Um, but my point is, is that for me, the cards never really meant anything other than they were cool ways to attract people to play in tournaments. You know, my first retirement, when I retired, all of my promo cards went into boxes. I had enough boxes to for every single person at the event, 30 some boxes. They all got a card. And of course it was Doug Kinney at the end who pulled Boba Fett, you know, of but of course then he traded with somebody else because he already had Boba Fett. Of but the cards, the card value was always whatever somebody thought the card value was. I remember Lando was going for a hundred, you know, hundred, hundred and fifty. Yep. Wedge was going for a hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred, uh-huh. something like that. And Wedge was a Wedge was a store kit. Like same he and he and Muller Mithril came in the same kit. I got Muller Mithril and I didn't get Wedge, because of course Imperial and regretted not going back to go and get Wedge after that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm looking at some of the stuff from the first edition acrylics and stuff like the first of all, the, the clear dice, they're going for like 60 bucks for one red and one green, which means the set that I've got is like 180, which is ludicrous. But like someone selling the um, original dark green focus tokens, which I have like 20 of five of them for a hundred bucks. And I looked at like past closed um, auctions and they're going for a hundred dollars. Like even today, still this first edition. It's the plastic. Like, I don't know about the first edition cards, but definitely the plastic is well, the, still got uh... value. The the original dark green tokens, the focus tokens, you got 20 of those, 20 packs of like 10 in your regional kit that year. And like, and I've got 20 of them. And people were handing those things out like candy at regionals because regionals that year were like a store championship. They you were. Know, there were so they many of them across were. the country. And then if you went and played, a lot of them were so small, you got a whole bag of you know, tokens. You know, but. I think Chris is right. We need to close this out. All right. So that's kind of our opinions on this. You guys have got stuff to do tomorrow, not me. Yep. Um, I don't think that the world's falling yet. We don't know anything yet. There's nothing but gross speculation and fears and concerns. And I totally understand and respect that. Uh, I have my own. Um, I happen to always fall into the glass half full kind of person that I think that if the plan is to move this over and that they genuinely want to do this bigger and better, that things are going to relatively stay the same and only get better. Organized play is going to improve. Maybe they'll get rid of this whole get rid of this whole extended thing and maybe kind of square it out so that everyone who can actually want to buy a ship can that turns out to be good. Maybe we'll continue to see points upgrades. If that doesn't happen, though, and I still think that you should start working on it now, if you are a community leader in this and really want this to reach out to those folks, I think that there is an opening here for someone or a group of someone to take up the mantle and say, we've got, I genuinely believe it. Ha, I can get Boba Fett for 50 bucks. (laughs) I also think too, the people that are worried about their rock star status in the game should probably not worry too much. You're still going to have that status. Yeah. I mean, because again, if you're going to have multiple small, if it does, it's not an FFG or, or I keep wanting to say it. If it's not an AMG, uh, hosted event, if they only ever do one a year, or if they ever do any, you're still going to have those big events. You're going to have your Novas, you're going to have your LVOs. Like, you're still going to get folks that are going to go through and win them. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so, I'm going to keep hopeful on that. So, this has been a fun conversation. I knew when this happened, this was going to be us talking about this quite a bit. Um, 
again, I want to. I, lastly, I just want to say, of course, all the folks that have no longer working, I do. I feel for you. I think that those folks are going to land on their feet. I know it's rough times here. Uh, I'm, I I reached out to the Alex personally, and I I'm gonna have to see if Frank's still sticking around. I don't, I'm hoping I'll, I'll reach out to him too to see where he's at. But we'll see where things go. Uh, I've got high hopes that this is still a good solid game it's got a good solid community who cares and that's the important part the reason why everyone's freaking out is because we all care about the game and the health of the game and i think that's a good healthy thing sean always good to talk to you my friend yep this is a good good conversation good to good to have the conversation because you get it off your chest yeah i told um, you it's gonna be a group therapy session we did no pregame, none none it yep. was rolled right into record the show because we knew we we're gonna have this conversation yep no but it was a good conversation and you know like I've said before, just be patient. We'll see what happens. We shall see. Chris, always good to talk to you, my friend. Yeah, I've got some housekeeping to do before we I was finish up. Just going to ask. So I have um, an email came in to our lack of focus podcast at gmail.com, and it was from Peter. And uh, he said, uh, Hi, Chris and the gang. Hope all is well outside of a pond. Thanks for all your hard work and all your shows and mini article previews. It's been a great distraction uh, from all of the madness at the moment. Just Aww. wondering if we can do a quick shout out for our fellow Patreon family member, James, whose birthday will be on the 2nd of December. The same <gasps> day as Ed's wife, if I remember from last year. It's December uh, so 3rd, actually, but that was just going to say it's day really off, close. Day, day off. Um, uh, but he's been most of our lockdown, he's spent most of lockdown too, because obviously they re lockdown in the UK, painting up a hound's tooth and a Nashta uh, pup in a red dwarf colour scheme, which I'm excited Ooh, to see. So make sure you post that in the Patreon. I, I already know what it's going to look like in my head. It's going to be the big red um uh, and it should be a little green um starbuck that would um, be awesome please if you're not in discord please yeah. go on discord patreon i'll have to look there too yeah keep up the hard work and may the force be with you all pete oh thanks cool. pete and happy birthday james obviously this is going to come out a couple of days early but um uh, it's your birthday falls on an in-between week for us so um maybe we could maybe do a D call out for him I remember. Yeah, well, yeah. If you want, to, yeah, yeah. I know if I can't because it's going to be like weeks down the line. I was line. just going to. I was just going to say. Oh no! If he can give a happy birthday in 2021, <laughs> I could work it out and make and add an edit to the one that will come out on that week. I don't know, but um, yeah, happy birthday, James, and hope you have a good one. And hope the UK gets better soon. All, right, all my family and all Joe's family are struggling as well. So I know. I did watch Wigan play rugby league in the pub Ooh. with Evie at, at lunchtime today because we Ooh. went out for lunch and the Super League rugby league was on. So I watched Wigan beat Hull and I asked Evie, uh, wh- which one do you like? Do you like the white ones or the blue ones? He said she likes the white ones, which is the correct answer because that was Wigan and I didn't have to disown her and just leave her in the bar. It's all fine. <laughs> but she picked correct on her own. I was proud of her. Good. Good job. Yeah. Um, as we touched on there, obviously you can sign up for our Patreon. It's uh, we recommend uh, not donating more than a dollar a show because we do charge per show. If you'd like to pay more, we'll I'll take it. I'm never you know I'm not shy anymore. Like, give me your money, it's fine. We have some giveaways coming up for Christmas. Um, I'm gonna make sure everything gets sent out. It'll probably be like January by the time it hits the post office properly, but it'll all be packed up and everything. Um, 
Alan, I know I need to actually send you a file so you can work on those tokens for me. I've just been lazy. And then we have to discuss if I'm going to send them to Ed to send out because most more people are in the US than are in Canada. So I don't know. We'll figure that out. But, um, I'm just going to give you jobs now. You have to go to a post office and send these things. Are you kidding uh, me? Since we shifted show names, I haven't lifted a finger for work-related stuff for this. You do all the work, so I'd be more than happy to like share the load there. Sure. Um, and then uh, yeah, check out our Facebook page. I've been posting a couple of bits and pieces on there. Our D&D shows go up there as well. Um, you can watch on YouTube if you really feel a need. I sort of was catching up and then just didn't do any editing for last week because I was busy painting. But um, Episode 15 is done. I'm halfway through editing episode 16. So we're getting caught up slowly but surely. I'm going like to have... 30 hours plus of D&D just so you're on the same page. Oh, I know. I'm I'm fully aware. I've not missed a session. <laughs> it's a little hard. You're the DM. Exactly. I haven't <laughs> missed a session. And for every two hours we play, there's four hours worth of prep getting done. So I'm well aware how much time it takes. <laughs> uh, if you would like to play D&D with me, you can join in the, uh, the game on the Crate Discord channel and um, come and play there. It's pretty open. Um West March's type game. I'm not going to try and explain it again. Just Google it if you want to know what that is. But it's pretty open and you can jump in and out. No no real uh, commitments. Uh, but yeah, uh, hit us up on Discord if you'd like to play Squadrons. I'm happy to play with anyone. I am i don't mind losing. I also like winning. So, you know, same team on that one. Damn time. Oh, <laughs> I can't even believe you didn't didn't bring this up it's almost like you don't follow uh follow them on every form of social media but do you know what the december update is for squadrons oh they're gonna fix the time bomber no better what i i did not follow this i'm genuinely oh. excited now oh okay i'm gonna stop i'm not gonna tell you i'm gonna stop recording and then we'll let sean go to bed and then i'm gonna tell you because we'll record an in focus episode it'll be like 10 minutes of you just gushing oh Okay, so that's it, folks. I'm going to let him close out the show, and then I'm going to catch him, and we're going to do a special Patreon episode where you get to hear Ed gushing. I genuinely have no idea what's going to happen. It's so cool. I've got intimations now, just the way he's talking, but we'll see. All right, so that's going to do it for this one. I do appreciate you guys tuning in. Always fun to talk about this kind of stuff. Thank you once again for joining the Lack of Focus X-Wing podcast. Check out Dice Hate Productions for all the latest episodes, and we'll be looking forward to seeing you again next episode.